Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. Happy Monday to all of you. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I hope it went well and accordingly. We have a huge show planned for you tonight. A lot to get to, a lot of great guests, a lot uh, going on in the media. I do want to welcome the show. I believe we have with us right now best-selling author and uh, writer, Matt Margolis. Matt, how are you, man? It is great to be back here with you on your show. Absolutely, man. And, um, you know, sorry about the live stream that got cut off a little earlier, but uh, let's go into some details. You know, give us give us a bio, give us kind of a background about you and, and your work and kind of, you know, what you've been doing. You know, you're, you're a very talented guy. Well, you know, in my early days, I used to do a lot of blogging and then uh, got into doing, writing some books. You know, I wrote my Obama books, uh, wrote a couple of books with, about Trump. And, uh, you know, now I'm uh, writing almost pretty much every day at uh, pjmedia.com and uh, having a ball with that. Excellent, man. Excellent. And uh, for those who don't know, tell everybody what your kind of specialty is in, in, you know, in, in the political realm. You know, you've written a lot of books about Obama and the corruption. And obviously this current administration is facing a lot of backlash for a lot of the policies they put forth and the direction they've chose to go yeah you know i mean i guess i made a name for myself writing uh you know stuff about obama and exposing him for who he really was uh you know last year i wrote a lot about the uh, covid pandemic and how the media was totally weaponizing that against donald trump and coming up with all these lies about his response uh to, uh, to covid and uh you know now it's uh exposing the truth about the rather uh, poor response uh, to COVID from uh, Joe Biden. Uh, there's always stuff to talk about, it seems. It's true. It's so true. There's always something to discuss. There's always something to talk about. Um, it just never ends. It, it's just really never ending. And, you know, kind of tell everybody about the books that you, you were writing and kind of things that were going on behind the scenes with the Obama administration that are probably still going on at this point in the Biden administration. Because we all know this is Obama 2.0. Yeah, so my uh, my first book uh, is, is called the, the Worst President in History, The Legacy of Barack Obama. And it kind of cataloged everything I could possibly find about, you know, the, the facts about the Obama administration, how bad things were. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of people tell me that, oh, well, now, you know, Joe Biden's worse. And, you know, I would say that, you know, there's plenty of reason to believe that's true. Uh, I do think, though, that a lot of what uh, Biden has, has been doing that's really bad has been kind of this uh, bringing back the Obama era status quo. So I think there there is uh, some debate over who who is worse, uh, and that has definitely been uh, brought up to me as a potential topic for another book about deciding which one of those uh, which uh, who's worse, Obama or Biden. Uh, maybe one day I'll do that, you know. But uh, uh, I'm I'm writing a lot already with with uh, you know writing columns at PJ Media, so we'll see if I can squeeze another book in there sometime. Now let me ask you let me ask you this, Matt. Um, how do you kind of give us a summary and kind of a overall, you know, thought of what we're dealing with in terms of tyranny, in terms of how far left the Democrats have gone, in terms of, you know, just the, the destruction. I mean, it's the vaccine mandates, 
voter ID laws are racist. Um, you know, the it, it just goes on and on, attacking, you know, parents for wanting their kids to have a good education. You know, um, January 6th being an inside job by the FBI. I mean, it, it's it, it never ends. Joe Biden, you know, trying to compare us to Bull Connor. Uh, Joe Biden, you know, dissing Martin Luther King today, saying that George Floyd's situation was more significant and more important than Martin Luther King's death. Uh, you know, I think you kind of hit all hit a lot of the important uh, points right there. Uh, you know, the Democrats don't seem to know how to handle governing without taking rights away, uh, taxing us even more, and finding new ways for them to hold on to their power. You know, I mean, right now their their big thing is trying to get rid of the filibuster so that they can overhaul our elections so they can stay in power. Uh, they know that uh, their agenda is unpopular. Uh, but they don't want to lose the power that they've got, so they're trying to change the rules so that they can stay in power. And this is, this is, I mean, the ultimate uh, what, tyranny right there is that they, they, they feel entitled to power, and uh, they're going to do everything they can to keep it, no matter uh, what it takes. For sure. And now let me ask you something. What do you think the Obama administration is mainly focused on during Biden's presidency in terms of, you know, the agenda and uh, all that stuff. Because we all know Biden is not running the show. It's the people behind the scenes, the more, the more, you know, higher ups, the elites, the people that, you know, he, he's just a puppet. The guy can't count to four. He can't form a complete sentence. The guy's got every issue on earth. I mean, he, he doesn't even have a schedule every day. He stops at about 10 a.m. and he goes to sleep. I mean, it's it's like it's dementia. It's all of you. It's you would think his family and his friends would interfere or do something, but it's it's like yeah. I mean, inflation, all time highs. You know, gas prices, all time highs. We're probably looking at another stock market crash, supply chain shortage, and this guy doesn't care. And this guy would rather talk about social issues. But social issues don't put food on the table. Social issues don't pay the bills. You know, and, and feelings over facts has become a really big problem in our society. You know, all these people think they deserve trophies. You know, everything is racist. You know, it's like there's, I just don't know. I don't know where we're headed. Yeah, I, I think the problem is, is that Joe Biden was just a means to an end. He was the guy they put up there because he was electable. And therefore, once he got in, you know, they'd kind of just figure it out as they went along. It, yeah. it turned turned out that, uh, you know, when it came to COVID, they had no clue. They right. kept blaming uh, Trump for thing, for how things were. And it turns out the virus kind of is going to do what it's going to do. Uh, you know, but the things that uh, he did have control over, like testing, you know, he totally uh, just botched it. Uh, you know, I think we've seen, you know, in the past 20, 25 years, is that Democrats really don't know how to govern. You know, that they, they complain a lot when they're out of power and they kept tell, telling us how much better things will be when they are in power. And then when they do, it's kind of like, well, where's all, this, all the greatness that you promised us? You know, uh, Barack Obama was supposed to be this, this guy who was going to deliver all this hope and change. And uh, he had a disastrous uh, presidency. Uh, we, did not, uh, we didn't even recover from the, uh, uh, the recession until uh, midway through his, his second term. 
Uh, the guy never should have been reelected in the first place. It was hard to be- hard to believe that happened. Uh, but you know that, that they give him a chance because you know all all Democrats know how to do is that, that they can't they can't exactly run on on their on on their record. They have to just attack everyone else's racists and homophobic whatever phobic is the is the phobic of the day uh, is what they accuse everyone of. Uh, so you know that this is this is what they do is that they they, they act as if they're entitled to. Uh, uh, power because they have some moral high ground over everyone else, and the truth is they don't. But they can, but they continue to present that as as a means to get votes by yeah. people who are you know woke and you know this is the this is the important thing to them. All these social issues, you know, whether or not you know minors can get abortions and whether or not uh, you know parents should know whether or not their kids are getting uh, hormone therapy to to have, become transgender. You know, th- this this is how Democrats work. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and here's the thing, Matt, is that um, with what I'm seeing, you know, with the vaccine mandate, with all of this, it's very, it's very terrifying because look at what they did to Djokovic over in Australia. And look how Australia used to be the most peaceful country on earth, well, at least one of them. And now you can't even go outside and take your mask off for a second to smoke to eat without being tackled by the police. They want, to, they want to put forth that same sort of agenda in the United States. And we're seeing right now in places like Washington, D.C., uh, other big cities, you're going to have to show your vaccination card every every single place you go. And it's like it, it totally takes away the freedom and, con- and what this country was built on with the Constitution, you know. And like we talked about, you know, the my body, my choice, you know, if people want to talk and say what what women do with their bodies with abortion is their their choice, their body, then what's the difference about this? You know, the shaming, the going after people, treating treating it like it's a war, you know, people that sh- choose not to get the jab. You know, it's it's pretty sad and sick how hostile. It, it, it's really a huge divide. And um, these people were told by all these, you know, politicians, if they get the vaccine, and they're safe. They got nothing to worry about. So why does it matter if, you know, we, if, if I get the vaccine or if you get the vaccine, you know, it, it doesn't make any logical science, scientific sense because I mean, and then think about all these booster shots that they're getting and they keep getting COVID and it just keeps happening. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it really yeah. doesn't. And I just, I, I can't understand how pe- enough people haven't woken up by now. The people, they're going to keep getting more and more booster shots and they're fine with it. It's like, Jesus, like, and then, you know, the, the, yeah, it's, I just, I don't know when this thing's going to end. I really don't. Yeah, I, I think what it comes down to is that the left and, and like I said, I want to make one more point. If if people are discriminating against somebody based on their vaccination status, vaccination status, not showing papers, you know, not you know going into an establishment. I mean that, that I don't I don't see any I don't see that different than discriminating based on race, gender, or sexual orientation. It's the same sort of thing. It really is the same sort of thing. They're, they're treating it like a Nazi Germany. It's like, you know, and if it if it was such, 
a choice like they initially said, why are they forcing us so hard to take it? Why is it such an agenda? You know what I mean? Right. It's kind of like if it was if it was that great of a thing, why is it that healthcare professionals are some of the largest groups of people who are saying, no, I'm not going to take this? Right. Uh, it, you know, uh, it, it's funny that the way that uh, uh, the left seems to have different uh, standards for what what is choice. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing what it comes down to is that this is all about control. Yeah. You know, that they, they, they want control. That they, they This whole situation has been used to see what we will tolerate. How right. much uh, how much control, how many restrictions uh, are we willing to accept before we snap? And I think there's been a lot of people who are ready to snap. We don't, I mean, you know, it went from 15 days to slow the spread to, I don't know, what is this, 300 and 600 and somewhat days of slowing the spread. Uh, I mean, enough is enough already. I mean, we're, we, we're seeing now that the Omicron variant is very mild. Uh, it's likely signaling the end of the, the, the pandemic. Let's just get back to living. We, we, right. We're tired of this. We're tired of sending our kids to school with, with masks on. We're tired of uh, getting dirty looks from people who are saying that, you know, that, that act like we're mass murderers for not wearing our masks. You know, this is, uh, let's get back to, to reality. You know, I mean, it's, it's been two years now. I'm, I'm, I really just want to get back to normal. And I think most people do. But there are people who just seem to be unwilling to let go of that fear. It's true. It's true. And, you know, the the um, weaponizing of the Justice Department, you know, going after parents simply because they want their kids in school and they don't necessarily want their kids to have the vaccine. It's pretty ridiculous. And I know you got I know you got to go here. Shortly, so I'll let you go. But speak on that. I mean, just just the demand and, and think about how much private businesses are really going to be totally screwed, you know, um, with these mandates, because if half the country has already made up their minds saying they're not going to get the vaccine, there's no more convincing people there. You know, it's like, but it's like, the, it's just the pushiness. And I, this is so bad for the economy. We've already, we've already seen mom and pop businesses not being able to sustain. And, you know, people are quitting their jobs at record paces. I mean, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't end. Yeah. Uh, the, the country can't take any more of this. I think it's, I think we've been seeing proof of that for quite a while now. Yeah. Uh, businesses aren't going to be able to tolerate. They, they, they can't be put in charge of enforcing these mandates. And, uh, you know, they, they can't take the, uh, the hit on their businesses anymore. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing the economy just kind of limp along here. And, you know, we, we had a real thriving economy uh, right before this happened. And I don't know. It, it might take a long time for us to recover from this. So uh, the sooner sure. we get started towards that, the better. And, and before, I, before I let you go, you know, obviously at this point, Biden has surpassed the title for the worst president of all time. You know, it was Obama for a while. Um, but, you know, Biden, Biden makes Obama look kind of like an angel in certain ways. But, um, but what, what do you see in terms of, you know, writing in your books, your three bestsellers? And for people that don't know, where can they find those books, by the way? Uh, just, you know, go on Amazon, you'll find my books there. Uh, just look for my name and, uh, you'll, you'll find them. They're, uh, they're out there. And of all, and of all three of those books, Matt, what, what, what scandals do you see very similar in the, the, what's going on in the Biden administration? Uh, 
you know, I, I think there's a lot of parallels because I think Biden is kind of looking at uh, the Obama administration, the Obama years as kind of a template. Yeah, but there's there's not a lot of originality in this administration. Right. It, it's all just going back to Obama. So, I mean, it feels like a really horrible, horrible echo. Yeah, no, it's an, yeah, it is. And, you know, what what's your prediction for 2024? I wanted to ask you this. Hillary Clinton's talking about a comeback because she thinks the Democratic Party is too too divided. So wh- 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 where do you see that? Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. She's got so much pride and she hates Trump so much. She's got a vengeance. And I really think she just wants to be in the spotlight again. She's lost to Obama. She's lost to Trump. I don't think she's going to run again and risk losing a third time. I hear you. No, I hear you. Very true. Uh, Matt, always a pleasure. Uh, glad you're with us. And uh, what's your biggest prediction for 2022? What do you think is going to be something like just out of this world crazy that happens in the political spectrum? I think we are going to see a huge red wave in November. I mean, we talked about Matt, Matt, we said last time, and I I thought so too, but we kind of got, I mean, we did do good in the last midterms, but it wasn't as good as we thought we would initially do. I think things are very different right now. I think uh, there's a lot of different uh, things that that show that uh, this this country is... uh, is, shift, is is shifting because of uh, because of Biden and not in his favor. Uh, we're seeing Republicans now being uh, uh, more Americans are identifying as re- Republican uh, than before. Uh, there there's there's something big going on here, and uh, Biden has has turned this nation against the Democratic Party, and I think it's going to hit them really bad in November. No, I hear you. I, I agree. I agree, and. Um, I, I want to thank you for being on. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, and we will get you back here very soon. Just uh, check me out. I'm over at uh, pjmedia.com, writing pretty much every day. All right, buddy. Well, always a pleasure, and uh, thanks for being with us, Matt. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us right now. We have very smart guy, political consultant. <laughs> uh, he's, he's becoming a lawyer. And he's doing a lot of different, uh, you know, different political uh, engagements in certain parts of the country. He's been very active. Corey, my buddy, how's it going, man? Good to see you, Rory. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a while since I've talked to you. Um, I I, I've been doing okay. I, I appreciate the, uh, the compliment. I'm I'm only a uh, first year law student, so at Michigan, you know, saying that I'm yeah at Michigan, correct. So, you know, saying that I'm I'm becoming a lawyer. I mean, I. I guess that's true, but I still feel, you know, pretty far from it, right? I mean, it's uh, it's you're a different. Very, academic you're a very experience. smart guy. Though. You're a very smart guy. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's been an enriching experience being in law school and being surrounded by so many, you know, great minds and, and professors as well. And you know, obviously, you have to, you know, deal with the uh, the liberal bias in, in academic settings. But you know, for the most part, I mean, the professors at, at my law school, at least, have been. You know, pretty, uh, you know, pretty unbiased for the most part. They're they're more so focused on on teaching the curriculum as opposed to indoctrinating the the masses. But there there are still a couple that, that definitely engage in that behavior. Yeah, for sure, man. So tell us what you've been up to. Like, what's the latest? Because I know, you know, you're you're doing different things. You know, you were at you were at Liberty for a while. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> you were doing a lot of different stuff on the board there for the conservatives and. 
you know, you're, you're trying to spread the word out and um, we, we really have a war on our hands, dude. I mean, you know, and it's really sad. And I was talking about this with a friend earlier today. The moderates are very limited in today's society. It's, it's like, if any, it's like you either bite your tongue and you vote for the conservatives and you may not agree with everything or you, or, you know, it's like you vote left. It's like people vote left. It's like, there's no like JFK. There's no Joe Lieberman's. There's no, the closest moderate I've seen is Joe Manchin, but it's like the, the days are limited. It's like people are, are so divided. It's like nobody can just be a centrist anymore and, and at least not get some sort of, some sort of ridiculization for it. And, you know, we see people like Joe Rogan. I mean, the biggest prime, the biggest talk show host at this point, because people are tired of CNN, people are tired of Fox News, people are tired of MSNBC, people are tired of an agenda-driven narrative, and you know, not being told the truth. And Joe Rogan is just a guy that talks to us like we're humans. He talks to us like we're, you know, um, you know, his friends, and he talks to us with facts, and and he doesn't have any sort of, you know. Uh, agenda he's putting forth and he, it's just it's authentic you know yeah yeah no i mean the political climate is very uh, polarizing at, at the moment as you mentioned and and you know yeah. it's it's uh it's mostly on the left of the aisle is what i found the hostility but it's it's from the right too i, I think both sides play a role in the polarization of politics but yeah. you know i i think joe rogan's a great example of somebody um you know who has a just a huge audience. I mean, I, I don't know the numbers. I, I watch his podcasts on YouTube sometimes, but I mean, the man right. has, you know, millions and millions of subscribers and, and viewers. And, uh, you know, you have to ask yourself why, why is there such an appetite for his content? And that's because, um, you know, the man just speaks his mind and whether, you know, whether or not you, you agree with some of the stuff he says or not, it is refreshing to see somebody, um, you know, of his stature come out and, and essentially, you know, risk it all, right, in order to uh, share his views. And, um, you know, we, we've seen the pushback this last week, um, you know, from from Joe Rogan. I mean, there were there was a letter written to Spotify, I'm sure you've seen this, where, you know, two to 300 uh, so-called doctors, which upon further investigation, many of the people that wrote this letter to Spotify weren't doctors at all. They were just nurses or something like that. Um, but, you know, they, these quote unquote doctors wrote to Spotify asking them to suppress and censor Joe Rogan's content because in their words, he's a menace to public health. And, yeah. um, you know, I just I find that pretty odd, um, you know, especially considering some of the menaces in my mind to public health are are not on the Joe Rogan experience, but rather in the CDC. Right. Um, right. I mean, think about how harmful. And look who funds the CDC and look who funds the who and yep. look who's on all the financial boards with them. Bill Gates, Dr. Fauci. And, and there's all, you know, kickbacks. There's all, you know, royalties that they're getting. You know, they're highly invested. So there's a reason why this vaccine narrative has such a, a powerful trend with these higher ups, because they want to make as much money as possible. It's not about the health. It's not about the well-being uh, of individuals. You know, pharmaceutical has never been our friends, Big Pharma. They've always been our enemy. Yeah. We've always given the world problems. I mean, there's more corruption there than Big Tech. And that's saying something because Big Tech is pretty damn corrupt. But Big Pharma has been around longer. And they've obviously, you know, giving a few million dollars to some politicians to tell your, you know, your uh, constituents to go take it. 
you know, that's like toilet paper to big pharma. They can give out millions all day to these people and these people will follow their orders. You know, um, these politicians and these athletes even, and these celebrities, I mean, it, it just goes on and on. It's an echo chamber. It just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't end. And, and, and the fact that what's really sad and sickening, and, I, and I've thought about this a lot, um, there's so many people that idolize a lot of these celebrities and athletes, and you know that they get their advice from them. So when these people go out there and say, go take this, go take this, it'll save lives. It's a lot of naive and gullible people that don't want to, even, want to do their own research, and they'll just take their other people's word for it. Sad. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think the, uh, you know, the comparison between uh, you know big tech and, and big pharma is a, a pretty good one, especially considering that both of them are pretty much walking lockstep with each other. Uh, you know, yeah. if you look at uh, people that have been suspended on Twitter even within the last two weeks, um, right. like Dr. Robert Malone, for example. Um, you know, people that, um, you know, try to platform any type of view that, that even deviates slightly from the CDC platform. I mean, they get suspended almost immediately. Um, and, you know, what's interesting is that the CDC recently this past week, um, you know, re released a report or something to that nature, basically saying that cloth masks, as an example, aren't, aren't as effective as, as other types of masks. And, and, you know, there have been thousands and thousands of people on Twitter yeah. and, and Facebook, especially and, and think about Corey, for saying the exact just, same thing. I want to interrupt you just for one second. Think sure. about if they would have told us about cloth masks being ineffective over a year ago. Think about how many more. And if they would have said, wear an N95 mask, I think that's what it's called, whatever it's called. Yeah. Think about it if they would have given that information. Think about if they would have given the information that 78 of death from COVID were because of pre-existing conditions and people that were overweight. Yeah. They, they should have also given us the exact info of how CNN came out and CNN, out of all people, came out the other day and said 40% uh, of people that went to the hospital ended up testing positive for COVID, but they weren't there because of COVID symptoms. Well, that makes a hell of a lot of difference. And that just goes to show how the numbers are so skewed. They just came out with a new report today from Pfizer. Pfizer did a test study in Israel, and even the fourth booster shot is not effective for preventing Omicron. So you know what? They're gonna keep coming out with more variants and they're gonna keep saying they have all these solutions. People are gonna get scared and people are gonna keep buying more and more shots into their bodies until there are no shots left. But this time next year, we'll be talking about a hundredth booster shot. Mark my words. <laughs> it doesn't end. Yeah, it, it, no, it, it doesn't. And I, I will make one thing clear, like, um, you know, I, I've encouraged, for instance, like my my parents and my my grandparents who are elderly, they're in their 80s to, to get yeah. vaccinated. And, um, right. you know, I think for for people in certain age groups, yeah, for people that are vulnerable, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and I am I'm in no way uh, anti-vax per se in that no, sense. I, however, respect however. People, I respect people's choice. I just don't want to be yeah, shamed for not putting poison into my body. I haven't been sick in 20 years. I run five miles every day. I take 13 vitamins every day. I have a great body. I just, I, and I, and I, and I just know, I just know that. And, and if I'm dying, if I'm on my deathbed, I would rather die than take that in that needle. I would rather die. I mean, I made up my mind long before that vaccine ever came out that I was never going to get it. Yeah. And, and, and so I don't have an issue per se with people promoting the vaccine, but what I have an issue with is people mandating and enforcing it upon individuals, private businesses, as we just saw the Supreme Court case, 
I ruled on this very issue in part. Um, and so that's what I have an issue with. And, um, you know, it's like, I, I think people have the right to make you know, decisions for themselves. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's, uh, I was looking at uh, this, this little article the other day, and uh, apparently Webster Dictionary has expanded their definition of, of who's considered unvaccinated to also include people who oppose mandates, right? So even if, even if you're pro-vaccine, even if you've been vaccinated, even if you encourage people in your life to get vaccinated, but you say, well, I don't support mandates, then right. you're considered unvaccinated or uh, yeah. excuse me, anti-vax, right? And right. so that's, that's sort of this, this war on words that the left has engaged in is they're, they're trying to associate every single person, whether or not you've had it or not, whether or not you encourage it or not, as, as an anti-vaxxer, which has a negative connotation in our society, uh, for those who simply believe in individual liberties and freedoms, right? And so I suppose, I suppose uh, some of the justices, at least six of them in the Supreme Court, are anti-vaxxers, which uh, uh, mainstream media, a news article uh, recently said in their their headlines this week in response to the Supreme Court case. Yeah. Um, and so this is this is a pretty big deal, right? We have to, you know, we have to stand up, uh, you know, collectively, societally against this labeling of people and, and uh, you know, and also just these these mandates on people and people should be able, uh, should have the freedom and the liberty to choose whether or not they want to engage in certain types of behaviors. And that's been the way that things have been in this country for a long time, right? We, we have the right to, to uh, you know, engage in private health decisions with our doctors. And we have been up until this point, right? What's changed? What's changed? I think you hit it on the head a little while ago. That is, you know, there's there's some motivating factor um, behind our public health officials pushing, uh, you know, this this type of medication, these these vaccines. And I think it does have to do with money, uh, of course. Oh, absolutely. That's, that, that's the only <laughs> thing that has to do with it. They, the, and I, what's what's really sad, Corey, is that there are so many people, and you know, I, I don't want to talk about vaccines the whole show because obviously yeah. you, you and me want to get into a bunch of stuff. So does everybody else, but, um, and I know it's just a redundant topic that it's, it's going on everywhere right now. It's all everybody ever talks about, but yeah, I just, I, I wish, I wish so many people, you know, would just respect other people's privacy. It's, it's become a cult. It really has. It's like people it's, it's so political. It's like people are dis, you know, discriminating others based on what they want to do with their bodies. I like, I've never seen anything so toxic and divisive. I just, I haven't seen it. And it's, 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 it's the most invasive question when somebody comes up to me and asks me if I'm vaccinated, do you know what I want to say back to them? A lot of times I bite my tongue and I'm nice, (laughs) I'm respectful, but you don't really want to know what I say, want to say to them. Like, it just, it's like, it's like, it's gone too far. It's gone too far. And we were talking about earlier with Joe Rogan, Robert Malone, the creator of the, um, what 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 was it the called? mRNA. The Myrna technology it, comes it, out it, yeah. and is actually an honest human being. And and I and I talked about this on my show last last week. The people that are pushing the vaccine without giving any of the side effects or, you know, telling you what it's all about, are the ones that are compromised by the government. The ones that are getting paid. The ones that are actually taking the time and going through step-by-step details on what could happen, what you know, what the effects could be, are the ones that are actually not compromised. They are the ones that actually care, like Dr. Malone. 
that got banned after 50 million views, I think it was. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's a, a pretty sad state of affairs, quite frankly. And they, say, and they, they trust the science. And here's the problem, Corey. They say trust the science because they have all these scientists that work for the government that are paid to say stuff like this. But the real science is obviously the immune system doing its job. And if they want to hear about real science in other ways, listen to people that aren't compromised. But go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, you know, you're good. Yeah, I mean, I've. I completely agree. I, I think the good news is, though, is that we're starting to see a pushback across the country and, and we're starting to see at least some court decisions go in our favor. Like I, I think there was a, uh, a recent decision that came out of, of Michigan, actually, uh, with respect yeah. to some COVID lockdown uh, uh, orders back in 2020 or a restaurant. I think it was called the Iron Pig or something like that. Uh, you know, they, they allowed in-person dining without masks. And basically, a, a county judge in, in Michigan ruled that uh, Governor Whitmer and the uh, uh, MDHHS lacked the legal authority to impose COVID lockdown restrictions. And, you know, obviously we, we had the, the Supreme Court ruling where I think they, the Supreme Court got it half right, uh, at least with respect to private businesses, not definitely not with respect to, uh, you know, healthcare workers. Um, but, right. you know, there are people that have, um, you know, legitimate concerns, and I think they should be allowed to voice those concerns and make those decisions, regardless of whether or not they're in the private sector, just working at, you know, at a, private business or whether they're in the public sector or even, um, you know, even if they're a health official. So, um, you know, people need to be allowed to make their own decisions. And that's really all I care about. I don't, I don't care if you're, you know, you support the vaccine or if you don't, or if you support any other type of, um, you know, medical treatment for COVID-19, you should be able to voice that. And that's, that's, you know, unfortunately, we just don't live in a, a society that, that believes in, ind in individuality anymore. You know, right. it's just group think, but um, yeah. So, Hopefully we'll we'll see a resurgence of um, you know of, of, of voters in, in 2022 and 2024 who who care deeply about these issues. I, I think I think we're starting to see a trend that way. And and you know for uh, you know when when people are going to uh, to vote uh, this next year for for any type of of uh, you know race, I think one thing you have to consider before you check that box is does the candidate that I'm about to vote for support uh, you know, mandates and, and, and forcing things upon me and my family and businesses and churches. Um, and if they do, I, I think, you know, I, I think that that's a disqualifier immediately, right. you know. And so um, we have to hold people accountable. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is at, at the ballots. I, know. I agree. I agree. And I, I want to keep you, Corey, because we're going to go in, going into something else. Stay on the screen. But I want to introduce to the show. How you doing, buddy? Very popular lawyer, new NYC. If anybody ever needs representation, if anybody's ever in trouble, call this guy. This guy is as good as they come. <laughs> Ex-police officer. He's such a, a great service to our country. Joe Murray, welcome back, my friend. How are you, man? I can't hear you. It's on. Wait, you're on mute. Sorry, I did that just in case the background noise. But thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I love your show. I'm actually more excited about that your show is back than I'm than me being on it because I love to hear the speakers like you have here Thanks, with Corey. Man. And I, Corey, I just want to ask you, if, if you don't mind, Corey, um, Western Michigan University, there were a bunch of student athletes that were being compelled to submit to the mandate uh, and threatened with being kicked off their teams from the university if they didn't get the vaccine. 
irregardless of the fact that they put forth a religious exemption, the district court, the Western District of Michigan upheld, uh, actually they didn't upheld, they upheld their application to stay that and prevent them from being kicked off the team. And then the Sixth Circuit ruled in their favor. And just, you know, to catch up with the case, I looked in November, they settled it with the university. The university paid like $34,000 for their legal fees and gave them all permanent exemptions. So I was so excited to read about that. Can you tell me about your school, where you are, and what the status of the mandate is? Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm at University of Michigan. Um, you know, we have, just like most other uh, large public schools, have, you know, vaccine mandates in place. However, there, there are options for people that have medical or religious exemptions. Um, I believe the last time I checked statistically, I think about 97% of Michigan student body is vaccinated. Um, so I haven't really talked to too many people who've gone through the exemption process, but to my understanding, at least at, at U of M, um, you know, our, our administration has been, been somewhat receptive uh, on the uh, religious exemption route. It's, it's actually, I think, more difficult to get a medical exemption than it is a, a religious exemption, you know, and it, it still it still is difficult to get a religious exemption because not only do you have to, you know, establish a, a deeply uh, well-founded religious belief, but in many cases, you also have to have a minister right in support of, of your belief as well. Um, and I actually had a friend that, that was at, at a law school uh, in, in New York City. Um, you know, she was a, a 2L, actually entering her 3L year. And she had, a, she has some sort of autoimmune disorder, and I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I don't, I don't know the particular of her situation. But uh, basically, the the vaccine was was potentially going to give her some sort of adverse reaction, and so she submitted both a a medical exemption and a religious exemption. And uh, you know, it was actually it was denied, and she, uh, you know, she was kicked out of her law school and had to transfer. And so, unfortunately, you know, this is this is what's happening all across the country. Um, students that have you know legitimate concerns about their health or, or you know religious belief as we know um you know all, all three of the vaccines were tested using a aborted fetal cell tissue the johnson and johnson vaccine uh was actually uh, in the creation process to use aborted fetal cell tissues as well as, and, and so for people that have deeply uh, held religious beliefs with respect to abortion just don't want to to put this substance in their bodies and, uh, you know, I, in terms of Michigan's policies, U of M's policies, I, I believe, to my understanding, we've, uh, the administration has, has been somewhat receptive to religious exemptions, but it's still difficult and it shouldn't be this difficult. So I hope that, that answers your question. I agree. And I thank you for that. You know, Title VII protects us for our religious freedom. And uh, what they're doing here is completely illegal. But like you said, even with the most extreme condition of that <laughs> medical uh, request for application for medical exemption, it was denied. Similarly, with the religious right. exemptions, they're being denied. Now, I haven't gotten to the litigation yet, but I represent a number of New York City police officers, sergeants who have applied for the exemption, were denied. We challenged it and filed an administrative appeal and that's still pending. They haven't really come out with their final determination. Once there's a final determination, then you go into Supreme Court in New York State. Supreme is our lowest court. Uh, yes. And then we would challenge it there. 
but uh, it's it's sad what's happening. And you know, just just taking it, you know, the law is based on reasonableness, and there, there's so many things that just shock me about and, this. And Joe, and I, I, I'm sorry, Roy, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I wanted to kind of uh, just chime in real quick. You're in New York City, which has some of the worst mandates, some of the worst laws right now, some of the worst scenarios any citizen could ever possibly face. I mean, they're turning New York City into Nazi Germany. And the only thing that's going to do, Joe, it's only it's going to chase away half of the tourists. It's going to close down businesses yet again, which they've already suffered enough. It's going to chase police officers away. It's going to chase frontline workers away. It already has. I mean, there's nothing good that can come of this. Yeah, I agree with you, Roy. You, you, you hit it right on and the I, head. Look at Joke, like, like, look at an example. Djokovic, the most one of the most popular tennis players in the world. I mean, he they they won't even let him with without a without a vaccine. I mean, it's like if they can if they can do that to a citizen where they can detain someone, arrest somebody, you know, give them all this crap to somebody that high up. Imagine what they could do to us eventually. You know, it's all right. It goes for the same sort of thing when they ban Trump on Twitter. If they can do that to the president of the United States, what can they do to us in the future? Because I'm really curious. And anybody who cheers this sort of stuff on is delusional and really messed in the head. Like, for instance, I read a poll today, and you guys are going to find this disgraceful. 59% of Democrats want people that don't get the vaccine put in jail. Yes. That's what we've come to as a society. And th these are the people we're supposed to have cordial conversations with and have civil discourse. I don't think there's any reasoning with, with the left. And you know what? I, I pray Joe that um, your new mayor uh, Adams, who I think deep down is a genuine person, you know, and I, I you know, I'm not a Democrat, but I, I think there are some, some good policies that he carries, but I don't like some of the other things that he says, like illegals can vote for him like that. He, he's like, there's things that he's saying that are absolutely asinine excuse my french but um yeah it's like yeah you, you know you hit around the head with that one because that just shocked me i mean i know eric we we were friends on the draw like a good guy he seems like a good family man like a guy you'd want to have a beer with go to have a conversation with you know he you know he he's a, a a very logical thinking person i interviewed him i used to write a column for this uh the, the queen's college magazine I interviewed him a number of times and we had very in-depth, you know, difficult discussions about race in the police department at, at that time. It was about 2001. We had the Amadou Diallo shooting where four white police officers shot an unarmed black man. And there was so much racial tension going on, you know, within the department, within the city, protests. Uh, so I, I wanted to do my part to try to air this out a little bit and start a dialogue and discussion. And I approached Eric that's when we first, you know, met face to face. And I anticipated just going to war with him and fighting left and right, because at that time he was the head of the hundred blacks in law enforcement. And they were very, you know, uh, outspoken about different issues and things that were happening on, along racial lines. Right. So I said, I'm going to go to war with this guy. But we sat down. We had a wonderful discussion together. We agreed on a lot of issues. Uh, I just saw his thought process. Like he said to me at the time he was working in the 8-8 precinct in Brooklyn, Brooklyn South, and it's a predominantly black community. And he says, you know, I have to do it myself. When I work in a black community, 
because most of the 911 calls we get are not for good things. They're, they're, we're seeing the worst of the community at their worst when they call us. So it's easy to fall into that. Uh, you know, you start developing stereotypes about the whole community when in fact you're only dealing with a small portion of the community. And to hear him talk about that instead of oh, all these white racist cops, he was really rational and logical in the way he was thinking about it and offering ways to offset that. So, you know, when I heard he was running for mayor, I was excited. Uh, yeah. I thought, uh, you know, he may do some good. I actually like Curtis Lewis as well. Yeah, and I, and I thought, I, I thought, and I still, I'm, you know, I'm optimistic because I'm a fan of New York City. I think it's, it's one of the greatest cities in the world. I'm ashamed and I'm sad what's happened to crime there, how people are getting hijacked in the middle of the day, just in the street. They're getting beat to death. People, are, I mean, the gang violence is through the roof, the shoplifting. I could just go on and on and on. The, yeah. the homelessness is really bad. I mean, I saw I saw pictures. You know, I'm here in California, so I'm kind of in kind of the same sort of scenario in terms of government officials and political leaders that you are. So, you know, it, it really is a, a, a terrible situation. And, you know, I, I, I just I, I want to know what you see as the future of New York City. I mean, I want to know if you think it, it's ever going to go back to what it once was. You know, can we because because here here's a, here's an important thing, Joe, is that New York City is such an important part of our country. It's it's like people rely on New York City for so many things. And, and I feel like it, it it's in certain ways sets an example for for what how others, you know, I don't want to say with politics 100 percent, but you know what I mean? Just being the most popular city in the United States, it carries it, it, it's it carries lots of, of volume. It carries lots of merit. It has a lot of power. And, it, and when it's going to hell, when it's just completely being destroyed, it, it's just a bad look for our entire country. It really is. Yeah, you're so right. And uh, it, it is true. And I remember, especially during the Giuliani era and Bill Bratt and Jack Maple, yeah. they developed their broken windows and other departments followed us. So you're right. In a large way, New York City, we become, you know, like the role where other people, you know, will follow in our path, good and bad, with crime rising and, and also being reduced. Yeah. But I was very much encouraged when Eric Adams made an announcement, the, the prior mayor, uh, de Blasio, he did yeah. away with the uh, anti-crime unit. Now, the anti-crime unit are the real workhorses of a precinct. Right. Police work is not just crime. It's also right. public service. People get in car accidents. They, they feel sick. They want to go to the hospital. Like we respond to everything. Yeah. But the real hunters, the ones that are out there fighting street crime, yeah. are the anti-crime units in each precinct. And yeah. de Blasio disbanded them. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I'm a criminal defense attorney, and I have a client yeah. who was arrested in Brooklyn and East New York he was pulled over. Uh, he ran a red light. The officer pulled him over. And then uh, he approached the car. He smelled marijuana. Do you have marijuana in the car? Yes. And then he saw that the guy was acting a little nervous. So he asked him, do you have a weapon in the car? Do you have a gun in the car? And he said, yes, it's in the console. Yeah. He had an illegal weapon for his own safety. He lives in a neighborhood. And in talking to him, 
He says, Joe, I sat across the street and I watched my friend get executed. A man walked by the, the news clip. Uh, it was on the news, the, the video clip of it. The yeah. guy walked by him as he's cleaning his tires yeah. and just shot him in the head a couple of times. He says, I yeah. was across the street. I saw this. Yeah. So he's seeing his friends, and then the the you know the tone in the neighborhood is once they disbanded anti-crime, he said, unless you see a blue and white, everyone knows it's it's you know you're free to go. Right. So crime was just spiking, shootings left and right. People yeah. are arming themselves for self-defense. On top of which, there was something also enacted by our wonderful city council. It was called the diaphragm law. If a police officer constricts the diaphragm of an individual while they're arresting them or, or subduing them, that's a misdemeanor and the officer will be charged. It was struck down because it's just impossible to know if you're constricting the diaphragm. It's not it's not an appendage that you could look at, you know, uh, so that was struck down. But again, it had a chilling effect on law enforcement. Yeah. Gee, I don't want to get arrested, you know, right. if I'm going to. So, you know, I would talk to cops and they were like, yeah, if this guy runs, I'm not chasing him. Right. Because that's where they're at. So the city council also yeah. enacted, uh, well, actually they didn't enact it, but through a legislative act, they struck down something called qualified immunity. Qualified immunity protects police officers when they're acting in a discretionary manner. Of course, if you commit a crime as a police officer, or you violate a rule of law uh, or a constitutional right in some way, clear cut, you get no immunity. But if it's a discretionary act, you get protection from that. And they right. struck that down. Right. So what are you telling these officers, you know, go out there and fight crime and be aggressive. They're just not going to do it, you know? So right. it really led to a lot of problems that we're having here. And it's not even as bad as it really should be. With COVID, you know, New York City is one of the biggest tourist uh, sites in the country. Yeah. Uh, tourism has been down terribly, but if it wasn't for COVID and we had our usual, you know, tourists, uh, visitors coming to New York City, yeah. crime would be even double higher than right. what it is now. No, it's true. It's true. And, and Corey, I want to I get back to you here in a second, but, you know, Ricky, are you with us? Ricky, are you there? Ricky Paget? I don't think he's with us. Hold on a second. Uh, Chris, Chris Bray, are you with us? Absolutely. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. Doing great. Good, man. And uh, you're running for office in uh, in Wisconsin, correct? Uh, no, no, in Texas, Bell Texas. County. Texas, my bad. Tell everybody, tell everybody what's going on with, with, with what you're doing. Because you've run for, you've been, you've been doing politics stuff for a while, but I know you're getting involved with something new. Well, you're, you're right. Uh, I saw an opportunity here in Bell County where uh, a Democrat was basically going unchallenged. Uh, it's in a heavily Democratic precinct, uh, yes. and I just felt I needed to step up and. You know, I, I think I'm going to do well here uh, based on things that we've seen in Virginia. You know, I think the, the red wave is coming and yeah. and I'm counting on that. I'm counting on uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, uh, taking the lead in the House. Yes. And 
you know, here here in Bell County, people people see things that have that have happened uh, nationally. You know, I was talking to my cousin in Kentucky, and he was like, "Thank God for Texas." The other day, he was telling me we're we're like holding holding the ground. Uh, right. You know, and I'm trying to do that. I don't I don't want to run against a lot of other qualified Republicans. Uh, yeah. So I was I was looking at a congressional seat, but there were good candidates there already. And we didn't need to waste our money fighting over who was going to get that. So, right. so I decided to to run here locally, uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. And and I think my candidacy, you know, I'm running as a conservative, a strong Republican conservative, uh, more in family values. Uh, and my opponent is is an openly gay Democrat uh, wow. who has who supports uh, legalization of marijuana and some other issues that uh, I don't think this community is quite ready for. Okay. And, so, and I'm counting on that. And if uh, anybody wants to see my platform, uh, my website is, is Brave for Bell. That's my, that's my slogan, B-R-A-Y for bell.com. Just go there and you can look up, you know, I'm obviously tracking national issues uh, I may not be able to affect national issues as much as, as local issues, but uh, I guarantee you that we're going to do sane things here in Texas. And, you know, I'm supported by my my state reps, uh, you know, and I'm here at the Bell County Republican Party. I'm so fully supported by them. And, you know, and I want to throw something out. You all were talking earlier about COVID. I don't know how many of you all had COVID. Yeah. I had it back in August. So I'm very familiar with it. And I was treated with ivermectin and Joe Rogan is 100% correct yes, on yes. that. And, yeah. and let me tell you, I'm, I'm 62, uh, you know, and, and I've had a lot of sicknesses in my life and, and I had the Delta variant and it, it tried to kick my ass, but it's all about being in good shape for Americans. Cause you know, I was a regular gym rat before I got it. I'm yeah. back to being a gym rat. And you know what? If you've got underlying issues, then, then you should be concerned. I'm not vaxxed. I won't get vaxxed. My wife is a naturopathic doctor. And, and you know, if you want to call me anti-vax, that's fine. But right. I do the things that, that stay healthy and fight that off. And I, I'm not a mask wearer and, and, and I'm not scared of COVID. You know, I'm probably more scared of flu variants that are out there than I am of COVID, especially not uh, Omicron. And I've done a lot of reading. You know, actually, it was funny about the ivermectin. We had uh, pharmacies here that wouldn't issue ivermectin. I had to move all my prescriptions to a to another pharmacy just to get that because of all the the BS that was going on nationally. They wouldn't fill a prescription. So here you've got a pharmacy deciding that a doctor doesn't know what he's doing, or the pharmacy knows better. I had an argument with the pharmacist. I said, okay. To heck with you, move all my prescriptions over to this other pharmacy and they filled it. And let me tell you what, the stuff works. And, and you know, it, it was like all the hydrochloroquine controversy that came on, which is a bunch of garbage. I mean, people can go and read. India is one of the primary countries that uses ivermectin to be treating COVID. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. You know, Joe Rogan was right. You know, it was nonsense. And, and, and yes, you can get ivermectin at tractor supply treatment for horses but it's not the same thing you know it, this is prescription it comes in a little small pill 
And, you know, you just take it. It's an antiviral and it works. I can, I'm living proof that it works. So, you know, this nonsense, this controversy that's going on nationwide, you know, it's probably killing people uh, because why would you ban something that works? Big Pharma, Big Pharma wants their dollars, man. It's such a I, I, I know. That's disgusting. That's it disgusting. Is. And, and you know, in, I, I'm sure in years to come, there will be studies done that say how many people died and had they only been treated with something that worked. Oh, you know, yeah. And think, we'll about, look back. think about these uh, far, these companies, these vaccine companies have came out and said they're exempting themselves from all lawsuits if somebody has a bad reaction to the vaccine and they don't want to release the full data for 75 years. And a judge said, well, hell no, we're not going to play that game. You have to slowly start releasing info. I don't know what kind of time frame the judge is setting on it, but they're going to try to appeal it. Big Pharma has more power than any of these judges. So I think Big Pharma is just going to keep getting their way. They already know people are scared. And when you install fear in people, it works because then they run to your medicine because they think they're going to die and they don't want to die. It's like it's the oldest trick in the book. Like I, I, we've been seeing this for a long period of time where the government tries to influence the masses. Government is not our friends. People have to more people have to understand that they're like, oh, well, the government's going to give me this. The government's going to give me that. No. Well, that's no, no. It's like the whole you know, we can go into so many things on, on, on the government, you know, the whole health care system, the you know, just the welfare, the it just goes on and on. And it's such a a system that is so flawed. And um, I just I don't know. You know, the hospitals now are are back apparently filling up. I mean, who knows what to believe? It's like, it seems like more vaccinated people are getting it than not the vaccinated. Exactly. And and you know what amazes me is that people haven't gone out and looked at the vaccine adverse effects reporting system. I didn't know about this thing. And then I, I read a, a an obscure article about it and I started checking it like, like last May in 2021, there were only 900 people that had died directly attributed from the vaccine at the time. And that number is now like it's, it's in the 14,000 last time I looked and I was like, Holy crap. Jesus. You know, and Chris, people, people don't know because they, they don't go look. Yeah. It's insane times. Hey, Chris, can you stick around for a sec? Can I get you right back on? I just sure, got to sure. introduce somebody real quick. Uh, I want to go back to Corey, uh, Corey. Um, I want to, I want to take a, a 60 second break. We're going to come back. I want to, and Joe, I want to change the topics as well. And then we're going to introduce Ricky Padgett as well as Eric Aglier from Florida. Uh, but everybody stay with us. Give us about 60 seconds and we will be right back. This is the Rory Sodder Show. It is a beautiful night coming to you live from Palm Springs, California.
And we are back. This is the Rory Sodder Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. We have a lot more to get to. I do want to welcome to the show. Um, I believe he's with us. Do we have um, Ricky Paget with us? Ricky, are you there? Yeah, I am. Can you hear me? I am, Ricky. How's it going, man? Welcome to the show. We got um, ex-police officer, and I believe you're running for office now in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, North Carolina. Actually, um, that was I made a decision not to run this time because I got some other things on the horizon. Of yeah. course, it'll be politically um, that I'm working on right now, so let me get my... I had to pull over a little bit. I was actually driving, so I had to pull I over. I know you're doing a lot of stuff. You're, like, in control of, like, what, 200 people right now, like security guards? Yeah, I'm in charge of a security company now, about about 280 security officers. Um, also, um, I'm in charge of North Carolina Sheriff Police Alliance, the executive director, co-founder of that organization. And then um, I'm in charge of two hospitals as a security director myself. So, uh, it, yeah, it's keeping me busy right now. Uh, the, the ironic thing is I just moved. I lived in Durham, and Durham is such a hellhole. Um, it, it's probably where North Carolina ever needs an enema. That's where they're going to start <laughs> because that, that's what they need to do to the place. Um, and it's really it's, it's ridiculous. Um, it's that but, bad, huh? Well, the, the funny part is with all the um, – changes that they recently made with the voting and things like that they yeah. changed one of the districts now it looks like durham of all places is actually going to get a republican district wow which see was, things are changing this is what we're this is what we're seeing you know uh yeah. many democrats are retiring this coming year yeah. because they're scared where their party's headed so it just leaves more yeah. opportunity a lot of these people like in these Democrat areas are seeing how the Democrats have failed them. And they're like, let's yep. try something new. Why not? So I really think this mm -hmm. 2022 midterms, I think is going to oh, be, gonna like, be a blowout. Yeah. It's going to be different. I, I, I knew, you know, I thought the first time around was going to be a huge blowout, which, you know, we got a, a pretty good, you know, significant, uh, you know, uh, you know, win situation, but I think this is going to be much bigger. I think this is going to be, much more sufficient, much more, you know, just, I, I really do. I, I think we're going to gain more exactly. seats in the house. And I think we'll even gain more seats in the Senate. I think we'll win both. Well, the funny part was, is I was running for office two times, you know, the, and it was a battle. And we actually took a, we took a district that was running about 79 to 84% always uh, blue. Yeah. Well, we ended up turning the district about uh, 60, 40. Yeah. So we went from that uh, lucky if we get 18% to getting 40% of the vote the last two times. Yeah. Well, they changed the district. And when they did, and of course, I was in the process of moving when they changed the districts and they dropped it right in my backyard, which oh, means, wow. and everybody, everybody, of course, wanted me to run. Even to the incumbent called me and asked me, was I running? And I said, well, why are you asking? He said, well, let's change the district. If you're running, I'm, I'm stepping down. Yeah. And he's a Republican. Yeah. And I went, damn it. <laughs> I was like, what? Well, it's not the time. It's just not right. I, I work right now really close with the North Carolina uh, Lieutenant Governor, Mark Robinson. Yeah, you helped and, uh, him get elected. He's national news, yeah, man. Man, we, we rocked it. And uh, I remember talking to him when he was deciding to, to run for something. 
and there weren't but five of us sitting there together. And uh, he was looking at uh, different ones. He was looking at Senate and different things. And then he come back and said, um, I'm going to run for lieutenant governor. And I looked at him. I, I was like, okay, that sounds good to me. Because when he finally told me I was in the car and I had to pull over, and I was like, wow, go for it. Anybody can do it. And he had the strongest grassroots campaign in the entire country when he ran for lieutenant governor because he had nine candidates other than himself in there. And they raised together, come combined about $35 million. Jesus. He raised $300,000 and he beat every one of them by a landslide. Wow. And more than 240,000 votes. And, and, and then and he that, came back in the general. And that's a good sign that we have people spending less money and that are doing things authentically yeah. and winning elections rather than oh, yeah. all this corporate money that's being thrown at these candidates you know, and you, you would think, I mean, and, and how it's been for the longest time was the big money always won over these independent little guys. Oh, yeah. But now the tables yeah. are turning because, and I, I really think President Trump, whether you love, whether you hate him, people have to give him credit because he opened the door for the outsider. I don't think this outsider scenario would have been possible if it wasn't for Donald J. Trump. Well, I really believe. I have, I have a. Yep, and I have a saying that I tell everybody. You ready for it? Yeah. It's whether you love him, whether you hate him, but you want to be just like him. Right. (laughs) He shook up the system, and he did it. He did it in such a perfect way. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's beyond inspirational, and it's going to, you know, he'll be remembered in history in so many amazing ways for years to come, and, and this will be a big part of it, how he changed lives and encourage others like us to stand up for America and to go out there and really promote ourselves yeah. and, and recognize talents that we didn't necessarily knew we had before, well, you know, with the power yeah. of speech, with the power of our values, with the, with how we, you know, abide by the constitution with, you know, he really brought people you such know, awareness. Exactly. Like it's crazy. Go ahead. Yep. You know, another thing too, is I tell everybody he made evil show its face. Oh, he did. Think about about everything that was exposed. I mean, China, you know, Hollywood, Harvey Weinstein wouldn't be in jail right now if it wasn't for Donald Trump. Because who was Hillary Clinton's biggest donor? Harvey Weinstein. The Me Too movement owes Donald Trump a big, giant thank you. Yeah, they do. You know, I'm I'm just saying small little things. But it's like there's so many... If you really look at the entire picture, he exposed the elites. He ex- Jeffrey Epstein, I believe. The FBI, I mean, that was yeah. horrible what happened yeah. there. I mean, look, look at it all. Going head-to-head with Putin, meeting Kim Jong-un, you know, just yep. telling people, you know, everybody that crossed us, you mess with us, you're going to pay a price, you know. Well, he initially sent a message to the Chinese right from the get-go when he was sitting next to, next right to the man, and he says, oh, yeah, we just blew that up. That was a message he sent to the Chinese that, yeah, I'm not scared. Everybody else may be. And, and you know, this whole thing with, with China and, you know, and the Biden nonsense, you know, we were saying a long time, Biden, Biden, that man is, is as ignorant as ignorant. Can he's get. like a, I said there, he's like he, a, he's a dead black figure uh, yeah. statue. <laughs> he's a, he's a dead fish in the scene from Godfather. That's what he is. He's like pooping his pants. He's sitting in that office all day in his diaper, pooping his pants. It's well, elder he's abuse. Just an idiot. You know, you would he's think his family, you would think his family would do something 
to like help him, but they care more about power than they do about his well-being. It's very sad to watch the, you know, his downfall and his demise. Well, it's going to be interesting because he's he's not going to talk about the synagogues, the shootings, and he's talking already no. about take away the gun. Give me a break, Joe. Gun, take away the gun. Yeah, you better be glad they're out there because it's the only thing protecting him right now. And look, look at his agenda in, in the last couple yeah. weeks. And then Corey, I'm going to get to you um, right after this, but I want and I want to get your thoughts, Corey. But look at look at Joe Biden's agenda this past week. Voter ID laws are racist. Didn't call out the shooting, and he's now promoting more gun control. And he's telling everybody that they're the problem if they don't take the vaccine. Everything that he said. He was going to do to try to unite America. He's only dividing it more and more. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, can you guys hear me clear? Is it clear? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're very clear. Okay. Uh, Corey, I want to go to you real quick. Um, stay with us, Rick. Stay with us. Uh, Corey, give me your thoughts on this. On, yeah. On everything. Yeah. I'm sure you have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's, and Joe, I'm going to come right to back to you. About. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, President Biden has had a, a pretty terrible last few uh, days, last week, really. Um, you know, inflation has hit a 40-year high, um, according to a Quinnipiac poll, you know, it's a 33% approval rating. 33, um, yeah. And, and think about, <laughs> I want to say about that poll, you know, they always try to make the Democrat look as good as possible. Yeah. So when they say 33%, that leads me to believe it's probably 27%. Yeah, you may be right about that. I mean, it's one thing that we've learned over the past eight years or, or six years, rather, is uh, maybe longer, actually. But, you know, these these polls are pretty untrustworthy, um, pretty inaccurate. Um, but, you know, I think this one, th- this one's pretty close, pretty close to being right. It, it may, may give Biden a few few extra points in the approval side. But yeah, I mean, his, his approval ratings are at an all time low, I think, uh, uh, Vice President Harris's approval rating is even lower. Last time I checked, you know the OSHA mandate was struck down, as we, we talked about last time. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it's like look at President Biden, and then uh, sort of juxtapose that with uh, Governor Yunkin in, in Virginia. You know what he did, what, what he's done his first two days in office, really, right? I mean, he signed all these executive orders, and uh, with respect to uh, statewide mandates and critical race theory in schools and. Um, you know, it's refreshing to see governors like that, uh, Governor DeSantis as well. And so that's what I was saying earlier. You know, I, I think I, I think we're starting to take a turn for the better. Um, you know, it's been a pretty terrible last two years. But, uh, you know, there are some things that, that I'm seeing across the country that's that's giving me a little bit of hope. And uh, you know, for, for someone that's only in his, his early 20s, uh, you know, it's 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 hard to see how this can get much better because it's, it's been pretty bad for most of my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate the, the situation we're in, but, um, you know, ultimately it's like, we, we have, we have to take some of the blame as, as Americans, right? I mean, um, yeah. you know, we've allowed these things to happen over the course of a couple of generations. We've allowed and, and, we, ha- and we have, and we have Corey with, with people we voted in there. I think, I think both yeah. sides are guilty. I think, you know, people I voted for at certain points. Yeah. You know, presented themselves in a way that uh, didn't turn out to to be who they truly were when they got in there. You know, a lot of people talk the talk beforehand, but once they get in there, they don't walk the walk and they get compromised and they get self-indulged. And uh, it's, a, it's a very, you know, 
cynical scenario. Um, but I'm sure you voted for people you probably wish you wouldn't have. And, you know, both sides. I mean, I think we've learned lessons, like you said. I, I think it's really kind of, you know, things have been exposed for sure of people's true colors. Yeah, not to get biblical, but it sort of reminds me of a passage from James 1 uh, where, where it talks about, you know, temptation, um, which, when it's allowed to grow, it, it leads to sin and sin ultimately leads to death. And that, that's sort of what we've seen in our country, right? I mean, yeah. um, you know, we didn't just wake up in this place where we are. I mean, it, it was over a course of a couple of generations. I think yeah. we were, were tempted with certain promises uh, from certain politicians and, and we gave into those things. Now it's, it is, yeah. it's growing and it's growing and it's getting a little bit out of hand. Maybe it is, it, it is out of hand. I'm not sure. It's because, you know what, Corey, they're so good at talking. They're so good at having that charisma. You know, they go in front of the mirror. They go in front of their cameras over and over, practicing what they're going to say, how they're going to manipulate. It's really like a – It's I compare it to like a Hollywood. I mean, what really is the difference with a lot of these politicians compared to an actor? I mean, they pretty much are in a lot of these – proceedings in dc when they they still want to take on mark zuckerberg or you know they're taking on dr fauci you know it's it's theater it, don't you agree i mean a lot of it is so superficial yeah i mean that's why so many people in hollywood support these types of politicians right they're, they're sort of go, in the same go. cloth right so um but but you know i i think also people are starting to realize um how important of a role local elections play and also statewide elections you know we sort of look to the federal government oftentimes as our our savior and also in general you know presidential elections too but it's like i mean just look at the the influence that governor DeSantis has had over the, the daily lives of floridians and also yep. uh governor yunkin and in, in virginians now um yep. you know we have to start going you know to, to at the local level at these grassroots levels and start winning these elections and that's really how we're going to uh you know, knock over the, the first domino is by winning local seats back. And so people have to get out there, get involved. And we can't just, we, we can't make the mistake time and time again of, of looking at, uh, you know, looking towards the federal government to save us from these situations, because they're the ones that create the situations in most cases. Exactly. And you look at, you look at the debt, you look at, you know, if we, if we rely on the federal government for everything, we're just going to keep raising the debt ceiling. We're never going to get out of the current disaster situation that we're in. The handouts don't work. The printing of money is getting out of control. There's potentially another recession coming. I mean, I don't, you know, that's just speculation. Who knows, though? Who really knows? But, you know, I mean, the stock market is in big trouble. If you look at the numbers right now, I've been investing in stocks a long time. And last week was probably the worst week I've seen in years years like even banks the, it was mainly because of the bank the banks were were, were were you know just completely getting screwed as well i mean people are nervous consumer confidence at a bad low level uh inflation the lowest since the 80s um gas prices at record highs i mean i, I don't know you know look at look at the um empty shelves looks like the soviet union i mean uh, Christmas this year wasn't as good because a lot of stores weren't carrying a lot of products. Uh, the supply chain shortage caused a lot of stuff not to arrive on time. I mean, this has really never happened. I mean, this is really turning into communism territory. I mean, this is how it starts. And, you know, when, when they when they restrict our freedoms, it's like, 
what what do we do? Because Australia at one point used to be one of the most peaceful places on earth. Now now they're just out of control. And what you know, I mean, whether it's whether it's the vaccine or what, but it's it's like it's just it's power, power, power grab. Yeah, and and you know, it's like I, I'm not really a big economics guy, but what I will say is there there seems to be somewhat of a correlation, right, between what you just because the one percent people the 1% that are in office, are usually, so. yeah, the one percent are usually the yeah. ones that are the ones that profit, and the ones that get screwed are the middle people and the lower people. But you're going to say something about a cooperation, sorry. Oh no, no, yeah, I just I, there's obviously a correlation between what, what correlation, you yeah. just laid out and uh, you know the the people, the the party that that's in office right now. Right. And so I think we have yeah. to, to look at these trends and say, well, how, how do we fix this? Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Australia is a pretty sad state of affairs. We'll have some friends over there. And uh, yeah, and look at London. You know, you, look at yeah. Yeah. It's like all, all, of, all of these countries. That and look at Canada. Out of all places, look at Canada. They're arresting people for going out in public in certain areas without a vaccine card, um, without wearing a mask. I mean, Canada's getting insane. And Canada is just like a just next our next door neighbor it's not even like a third world country canada is a first world country just like us so i mean australia kind of is too maybe they're second i mean no they're first i would say they're first world don't you think second world what would you say australia first world uh i, I would say first world um, i would say first world yeah. but yeah and you know one thing i will say is i saw this quote the other day that you know we can never uh comply our way out of tyranny right and, no. um, you know, I, I think people have this that's why they want to take your guns. Messed up idea. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I'm not saying I'm definitely not saying, you know, take up arms against the people in power. Of course, I would never right. say that. But it's like you, right. you're not you're not going to you know, defeat the powers at will just by you know, complying with all of their orders. You, you, we have to have some some level of civil disobedience, I suppose, um, yeah. you know, where we protest, where we, um, you know, obviously uh, elect better politicians, maybe not politicians, right? Just elect people that aren't politicians. I think that's the key. Um, yeah. But yeah, we need to encourage people to start, um, you know, enacting change. And that's that's not going to happen by by complying with the tyrannical mandates. I can promise you that. So No, I and I agree. And, and you, you're right. We can't bow down to government. We, we can't get we can't give in. Too many people are like, yes, men. You know, they, they just they do what they're told and they think that's the way to live their life. And that's not what our founding fathers ever wanted. Our founding fathers warned us about this. Many. Past yeah, but Go ahead. yeah, no, I, I will say, though, it's um, it's a lot easier said than done. Right. I mean, think about think about how difficult it is to, to take a stand for um, yeah. you know, things that, that you've spoken about tonight. Um, you know, yeah. you're ostracized in, in your school or your workplace, sometimes fired, sometimes kicked out of school kicked off of social media. Right. And it's tough, man. It's, it's, it uh, it's a lot easier said than done, but you know, that's why we have to have courage, you know? So we For have sure. to um, stand together and support, pray to God to give us strength um, so that we can push back against these powers, you know, because individually, I mean, yeah. we can be taken out just like that, but uh, you know, together, whenever we, we stand in unison and we actually enact some sort of social and political change and we can start, start making advancements um, and, you know, uh, it's like, like you said earlier, if they can do things that they've done to sit in congressman and president of the United States, they can do it to all of us. But eventually, uh, you know, it's going to be our turn to, to push back. So. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And it's, it's one of those things where, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I really, I really am concerned because the defunding of the police movement, the, I mean, Joe, I mean, you know, they want to all these cities and then, you know, you see people like Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago finally come out and say, you know, enough's enough. And uh, I mean, that would have been, that would have been great year, you know, a year ago or two years ago, but now, yeah. the, you know, some of these people are like, oh, you know, let, 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 let's, let's, let's fix it now. Meanwhile, the cities are already halfway burned down. I mean, same with the mayor of Portland. Let's fix it now, even though it's a year or two too late. You know, one of the other big issues that we're, we're finding now, I mean, I had no interest in politics in 2019. There was yeah. an opportunity for me to run for district attorney because we're getting all of these woke district attorneys that don't want to prosecute. They take the office, like Alvin Bragg was elected in Manhattan, uh, which I'm a little disappointed because, and I want to bring this up with you, Rory, yeah. um, why your voice is so important because there was a great candidate who ran as a Republican. His name is Tommy Kniff. He's a, a, a colleague attorney that I work with, and he ran in Manhattan. And I told Tommy, I said, listen, I ran in 2019 trying to tell people what was coming in 2020. They're closing Rikers Island, the bail reform, discovery reform. They're talking about parole reform. I was trying to warn people, this is coming. And yeah. the district attorney is one of the most powerful officers that you can ever elect to affect change. And public safety is the number one issue. That's why we have government. So sure. unfortunately, unfortunately, and I'm very upset by this, the conservative media, all these big, you know, million dollar, billion dollar, you know, people in the the conservative uh, wing, nobody would touch him. Right. Nobody would talk to him. Sean Hannity loves to go on the air now attacking Alvin Bragg. But we had a great candidate in Tommy Kniff. Like I said, when I ran in 2019, I was running at a disadvantage because I'm trying to wake people up. This is coming. He was running at a time where we're already experiencing it. And this guy, Alvin Bragg, was not hiding it. He's not going to prosecute crime. He's saying, I will not ask for bail. He's saying, I will not ask for incarceratory sentences except for like murder and cap it at 20 years. You know, like he's really has these radical policies. Like he said, I'm not going to prosecute resisting arrest. Yeah. So he's incentivizing crime. He says, I won't uh, prosecute low-level offenses, including pettit larceny. So what are you telling people? People who ordinarily would not have committed crime are now saying, I'm not going to get prosecuted, so let me shoplift, let me grab this, let me do that. And if an officer tries to stop you, fight back. Because if you if you get away great you're 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 good and if you don't and you get charged with the resisting arrest i won't prosecute it right it's insanity right but where were all these big people who are now talking about alvin bragg but they ignored tommy kniff during the campaign you were wonderful you came to me and you supported me and i was on your show several times but there's a lot of people in the conservative media and i'm wondering why they're ignoring good candidates. Is it right. because they want to talk about the, the radical Democrats when they win? I, I don't understand. You know, he did so well. I mean, I, I can't say so well, 
but Curtis Lee ran for mayor. Curtis is a Manhattan resident. Tommy Kniff ran in Manhattan for the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. He got more votes than Curtis Lee did. Yeah. Why did we not get behind this guy? Do you notice that where people are not embracing candidates who are conservative or Republican? Is it is it the uh, the advertisers who are threatening to, you know, withdraw if you give them airtime or space? And Tommy Kniff was a was a not frequent but an occasional commentator on Fox, right. but he couldn't get on the air during the campaign. It infuriated me. Yeah. No, it's true. And it, you know, it, it drives me nuts. It, it's, it's like they play, they're picking, it's almost like they have their, their special person that they want to, they want to, you know, have win and they won't, they won't even give anybody else, I guess, a chance to give their side and what they're bringing to the table. And I think that's an issue. I think there's not enough candidates who get, get enough exposure. I think there's like, it, it's a, it's a tough thing, man. Cause there's so many people with talent that should be running for office right now. There are so, there's so much fresh blood. There's so much brilliance out there. And there's so many people that can make a huge impact and, po and positive, you know, just they can do amazing things. And uh, I wish good I wish people that really from the heart want to do good. That that's what struck me about Tommy Kniff. He really is. He was a prosecutor. He's a major in the Army Reserves. He's yeah. the head of the COVID response in Javits Center. Yeah. He's just, I mean, he does so much good. Yeah. And he saw this coming down the pike. There were about seven Democrat candidates fighting over who could be more radical and more left. And right. he said, this is insanity. So he decided to throw his hat in the ring. And we talked about it. And I told him, I said, look, you may have a better shot than I did because I was trying to wake people up to what the legislature is doing. Effective January 1st, right. 2020, was yeah. all this radical stuff that was going to be unleashed. Yeah. He was running, you know, uh, in essence, he, he just lost the election, but he, he ran in 2021 when yeah. it already happened. Right. We're living with this high crime and this, this bail reform and all this stuff that happened. And he did not hide it. Alvin Bragg said he wasn't going to prosecute. How do the residents of Manhattan elect someone who's saying, I'm not going to prosecute crime? It's, it's it, And at that point, at that point, Joe, it becomes so much more than politics. I mean, they're messing with people's lives now. You've got kids at risk. You've got innocent, you know, people at risk, you know, citizens, you know, civilians and people that mind their own business are going to school, going to work, you know, going out for a run, going out to, you know, do whatever. And they, they got to deal with a lot of this violence in New York. And a lot, like you said, there's people that are just going to walk free. If it's not murder, like, you know, I think I heard if, if it's not murder or if it's not something extremely bad, then he's just going to let these people go. I mean, so yeah. you're saying if somebody beats the shit out of somebody, excuse my language, or somebody, you know, gets in physical altercations, like those, those types of things he's even going to let go. I mean that, and even he was talking about like domestic stuff, letting go. I mean, yeah. come on, dude. I mean, well, this, you know, what's happening dangerous. and I'm glad to see this. There are police officers, for example, there was a robbery that took place inside of a store, a commercial uh, establishment. Police officer made an arrest. The guy had metal shears that he threatened to use to cause harm to get away with the property he stole. So the officer talks to the district attorney and tells him yeah. what he has and what the scenario is. The district attorney types up an affidavit, sends it to the officer, the accusatory instrument. 
The yeah. officer reads it and signs it. Yeah. They, they didn't include the metal shears that he had and that he threatened, which makes it a robbery. Use of force to take property is a robbery. It's a violent felony. They didn't want it to be a violent felony. They made a petit larceny. They're reducing these charges. So the officer said, I'm not signing it. And, the officer said, I'm not signing it. And I, I really commend this officer for not, you know, falling into this. Yeah. It was not a true statement. Yeah. And therefore, the officer refused to sign it. So yeah, they ultimately yeah. did write it up the correct way, but still charged right. the, the lower offense. Right. And, and Joe, no, you're absolutely right, Joe. And I want to talk to you a lot more about this. Stay with us. I want to I want to bring on um, uh, from Florida uh, politician uh, Toby Overdorf, who's a good friend of mine. But real quick, I know I know, Corey, you got to go. Uh, I want to give you the plugs. I want to, you know, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you. Kind of get some of your final thoughts on just everything. Uh, you know, what what a crazy time to be alive, though, man. What a crazy time. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, th thanks for having me on again, Rory. Good to see you back. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a critical juncture in our country right now. Um, you know, ultimately, I I think uh, I, I just think if people people wait too long to take a stand, we won't be able to stand uh, any, any longer, right? Uh, the, the powers that will won't allow us yeah. um, to fight back anymore. And we've seen this happen all across the world and through, throughout human history. Yeah. So this is a critical juncture in, in our nation's history right now. And so people need to, to start standing up and speaking out like they've, like they've never done so before, um, you know, despite all of the fear, despite all of the threats, uh, you know, we have to have courage. We have to dig deep within ourselves and, uh, yeah. you know, be okay with being a little uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to find me, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at the Corey, C O R E Y. Um, shoot me a message. I'd, I'd like to talk with you guys further. So thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Dude. And let's make, let's make you a regular, let's get you back here often. And, uh, let's talk about a lot more things next time. Sounds good, man. You have a good night. All right, buddy. Always a pleasure. Uh, yes, I, do want to I do want to welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I do want to welcome to the show from Florida. Good friend of mine, Toby Overdorf, man. Toby, how's it going, man? Rory, so good to see you, man. So you, great. Are, you representative from Florida, man. How uh, How's everything? I, it's been about, what, I, over a year since I've had you on last. Uh, you know, I, I took a, about a year off for a hiatus. Um, mm -hmm. You know, second show. We're doing video now, which is up more up close, more, more personable. You know, more, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's the, the time to do it. You know, it feels right, like you know the, the, fa the facial hair is a new thing for me. So I love yeah. it, dude. I'm digging it. You look great, man. Uh, tell everybody what are you, what you've been up to? What's the latest, the new projects and, uh, how's everything going down there? Cause I'll tell you what, from what I'm hearing, Florida is the place to be the least restrictions, the least amount of COVID cases. And Ron DeSantis is a rock star, man. So first of all, you know, thank you very much for that. And, and welcome to the free state of Florida. We we have just absolutely done a great job down here, as, as you see. Um, our governor certainly is a rock star. And it's hey. been a fantastic opportunity to be able to serve with him and for him. Uh, last week, we opened up session uh, this January. We started a whole new session. And the governor came in, did a state of the state. And uh, I got to tell you, it was a great speech. He really. I saw, I saw the pictures. It, it looked like he had a good time. There were some big names there. There were some notable people. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. It was, it was great. Um, he absolutely the whole 
uh, agenda we're going to be working on this year. And, uh, you know, first of all, we, we just had um, you, some of your guests on talking about different items. And I'll tell you what. The prosecution here in Florida is spot on. We aren't going to oh, have. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Don't mess with Florida. It's like Texas. Don't mess with Texas. Don't mess with Florida. You go there, you commit crimes. You're doing the time, baby. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And we have, uh, you know, one of our bills. We're coming up. Uh, it'll be coming up first for our first committee this week. It's called HB three. It's all about supporting law enforcement. So hey, if there's any law enforcement officers across the country that are unhappy with their states unhappy with the governance there come to florida we got a five thousand dollar signing bonus for you down here we're going to have you come in recruit plus yeah. I, i'm probably pretty sure about this we're going to be able to give you a raise as well from where you are right now i mean it's absolutely amazing the recruiting that we're doing how we're treating our officers the educational opportunities we're giving them right now we're looking at ways that we can take our law enforcement and almost apply the gi bill to them so that they would then be able to go on to college based on their service and do it at an extremely reduced or free price so that we have better educated law enforcement um, throughout our state, which again, only benefits law enforcement, benefits the public um, across the board. So those are some things we're working on there. Our transportation system down here is fantastic. You know, it's interesting. We're sitting there, we're listening to uh, the state of the state and I sit where there's some Democrats that are behind me. Yeah. And uh, as they're going through it, and he's talking about having a, a budget surplus and all sorts of things, you hear these little minions behind me saying, oh, that's because you got all the DeSantis bucks. That's because of all the DeSantis, or I'm sorry, Biden bucks you got. That's all the Biden bucks you got. And I, I, you know, I turned around and I said, well, actually, no, we have a $15 billion reserve now is what our proposal is for this year. Proposal, $15 billion reserve. No other state can match that. By the way, we got from the Biden administration 3.2. So I think we could have absorbed that 3.2 elsewhere. And regardless, you know, Florida is just doing fantastic. Our industry is going great down here, bringing in companies. People are leaving up north in droves. I can't even tell you. Um, you know, the our, our greatest realtor that we have is Cuomo. He did, you know, two years in a row. He was a Florida realtor of the year. I mean, it, it has just been absolutely fantastic. Damn, I bet being a realtor down in Florida right now is just like the the, the heaven job. I bet I mean it's it's nothing but buy, buy, buy. And I'll tell you, how how is that going to last and how are how is Florida gonna sustain everybody moving there? I mean, obviously prices are gonna go up. Whenever you have some a bunch of people moving to one place, you, you, I mean, it's it's inevitable that that prices go up and things get more expensive. So I mean, what is the from, from your standpoint and how you view this, and I'm sure you've talked about it, obviously, you know, in the chamber with all the, with all your, your fellow, you know, um, other politicians, but how, how is that going to go? Cause I, it's, I know it's just getting over, overfilled. So, you know, Florida has a history of boom and bust. You know, we, we go, yeah. we go straight up and everybody loves Florida. We take off and then all of a sudden we crash right. and we go through this roll and roll years past though. You got to remember our economy was strictly based on tourism and building. So those two things are really what drove our economy. Now Florida has shifted. We have manufacturing, we have other industry that's here, we have all kinds of a big financial district, we have a variety, the aviation industry down here is, is incredible. Um, how we're supporting our armed services down here is again an incredible opportunity. So all of these different things are now making Florida a very different state. We're, we have now grown to the 14th largest economy in the entire world is what wow. florida is. yes the entire world 
So and what? Wait. So what were you guys about? Like, like what were you two years ago? So two years, two years ago, we were sitting at about the seventeenth, and uh, and we've been steadily growing ever since. Um, we believe that we're going to uh, obviously continue to grow up, and with the industry again that's relocating here, the folks that are that are coming down here and expanding our economy, it is yeah. just going to continue to grow. In my opinion, um, I've I've been very suspect of all right, when's the crash coming? When are we going to see that downturn? But the reality is the demand is still there right and left. The only thing that's really impacting us is something that we never talked about before, and that's the supply chain stuff. You know, we're not able to get the goods, the services that are coming here. The other thing that we're suffering from is the higher inflation. Uh, as the inflation goes up, the prices for everything that we have to have to pay, including building materials, is, is skyrocketing. I mean, when you're paying 80 bucks for a sheet of plywood, are you kidding me? And so right now, I mean, that, that's just not sustainable. And I think if anything, that's what's going to push us down rather than uh, rather than the things in the past, which have been bad finances or just this boom and bust attitude. I think it's really going to market. And if anything can can help uh, all of America is number one, to uh, get a new president. But number two, to really see what happens here with this economy and getting inflation under control. Yeah. And, you know, businesses, it's it's a really good place. I mean, you know, for startups, I mean, you know, there's more and more businesses that keep growing and starting in Florida than most places in the U.S. I mean, it, it really is a destination, a hotspot. Uh, and I see for years to come for it. You, and know. Well, you know, and along those lines, Roy, the only thing we, we really also still suffer from is a lack of workers. Um, yeah. We go into a variety of places around here. And uh, and we have uh, shortages of workers right and left. And a lot of it's because people are, again, and still paid to stay home. And right. they make more money uh, sitting at home on the couch playing video games than, in fact, they do going out and, and working or, or, or doing other things. And so it's really disheartening to me being a guy who is a son of a Navy captain. I've always been told to work, always been told to be out there. And, you know, the fruits of your efforts are really what happens. And some of these people just don't care. They just want to take their check, hang out, not do a thing. And I, it's just so foreign to me. I can't understand that. But that being said, I'm looking for people in my company. We have a, we operate an engineering uh, company that's outside of the legislature. I, you know, the Florida legislature has some of the lowest paid uh, politicians in the entire country. And so I have to have a second job. And my second job, I'm trying to get people to come here to work. And uh, whether if you're in the engineering field out there, we'd love to talk to you or the environmental consulting field. And I just can't find people. So um, I am shamelessly plugging, uh, trying to find employees even on your on your show. <laughs> no, I hear you. And, and let me ask you something. Ron DeSantis, the future of him. I mean, you would say he's he's definitely will be president, you know, uh, after would you say after Trump? So I think uh, a lot of it depends on, on what happens with um, with Mr. Trump and what he decides that, that he wants to do. And uh, I think we're going to we're going to go from there. I mean, if, uh, if President Trump decides that he is going to run, trust me, I am fully behind that and fully supporting him 100 um, percent. And if he decides that he's going to uh, take a backseat and really be the kingmaker, if you will, which he has done in so many campaigns right now. I mean, I can't tell you how many politicians um, including one of my roommates who is uh, endorsed by by President Trump and really wants to be there and be a part of be a part of that. So 
Um, I think he has such great power in our in our party right now. And uh, and I think a lot of it will depend on what he decides for himself and what he decides for the future of America as to which way uh, we're all going to be voting coming up in uh, 2024. But right now, Ron DeSantis is running for reelection for governor and we are 100 percent behind him. The candidate that the other party have put up don't stand a chance. Let me tell you. He is just going to walk right over that, walk right back into the governorship. And uh, he's done such a great job here in Florida, as as you know. Um, right. The only thing I ask for you and your viewers right now is to keep uh, keep his wife uh, in your prayers. I'm not sure if you're aware, but, you know, she was diagnosed a little while back with breast cancer. She's doing a great job um, and, and going through that. And uh, all that being said, just keep her in your prayers, please, and make sure that uh, that you think about her a little bit. But. The two of them are going to go places um, in the future. And as the governor said, she will be cancer free in 2022. And 2022 is going to be a great year again for the state of Florida. And, and, and I want to ask you, Toby, what, very well said. How do you explain California has the most COVID restrictions and the most cases? Florida has the least amount of restrictions and the least cases. Now, trust the science, Democrats. Really? I mean, what, what kind of science is that? And why are we taking science advice from the same people that think there's 100 different genders? Well, we all, we all know this, this, uh, this virus is not about anything else rather than control. Right. And it's controlling the people. And they feel that the best way to control the people is to scare the stinking snot out of them. You scare them right and left and you, you tell them that, oh, you're, this is going to happen. That's going to happen if you don't do this. And they yes. just worry about control. And yes. so some of the misnomers and some of the misinformation that's coming out there right and left is what's controlling yes. people. And we don't have that here in the state. We, we believe that people have free choice, that people have liberties, uh, people have opportunity. And that's why we passed a, uh, an anti-vaccine mandate, an anti-mask mandate here in the state of Florida in the, in the state legislature. And, and we believe that, that's, that people deserve to make their choices. As such, people made choices to stay healthy. People made choices to exercise. People made choices to go and, and spend time with their families and others. And I believe that there is a tremendous amount of natural immunity here within the state of Florida, above and beyond those that, uh, the folks out there that chose to be vaccinated. And I have nothing against people that, that want, it, want to be vaccinated, um, but please do not tell every single american out there that you must be vaccinated there's a mandate again that is a personal that people should have no i, I absolutely w well said i i agree 100 and you know um i do want to take a 30 second break stay with us though we'll be right back stay with us thank you And we are back with Congressman from Florida, Toby Overdorf. Toby, um, I, dude, I really love having you on here. And, uh, you know, we have a, a lot um, that I want to talk to you about here in the future and get you back here as a regular. But I want to ask you, what's your biggest prediction for 2022 coming up? Well, Governor DeSantis is certainly going to be number one reelected. I, yeah. I have no qualms about that. 
Uh, number two, I, I sincerely believe we're not only going to take back the House, um, the, the U.S. House, but we're also going to take back uh, the Senate. I, I sincerely believe that. Um, and, and I'm not sure that um, the prediction for 2024 is I don't know who's going to be your president going into 2024. I, I sincerely yeah. don't wish anything on anybody whatsoever. But, you know, I, I question about the um, the long term health of, of our current president. I, I, I don't wish any negativity towards him and his health. But that being said, um, I'm not sure that he's going to be able, given what we've seen um, in his mental capacity, that we're going to see that all the way through. So uh, I think that's going to be a shift as well. And uh, I believe that uh, Nancy Pelosi will retire. Um, as that's, a, what I, that's what I heard. She, she's going to move to Florida out of all places. She ruined California. Now she wants to move to Florida. <laughs> there was a there was a, a thought for a there was a house in my county. Yeah. And not only that, my my local Republican executive committee said, well, looks like we know we're going to be protesting. It's all good. So we'll it's, see. We'll see what happens. Insanity, man. Insanity. Yep. Um, you know, I, I I always love having you with us, but what are what are some of the new kind of legislations that you're putting together? What are some of the new things that you've got on the agenda for the future to come? So one of the things that actually, believe it or not, came out of California of all places. Oh, wow. um, uh, the California um, state legislature wanted to go after uh, 501c3s and wanted them to produce all of their donor lists uh, prior to them allowing to, to continue in the state or have a license to do whatever it was. They fought back and Americans for Prosperity actually sued uh, on that. It went all the way to the Supreme Court and they won. They beat they beat California. So what we're doing, one of the bills that I have this year is we're putting that into state law here is that our, our government currently wouldn't do it. But we don't know if, if ever in the future there'll be a change in party that this will be a state law that no uh, government entity in the state of Florida can petition the donor list or utilize the donor list of any 501c3 out there whatsoever. So that's one of the things that's out there and it really protects the civil liberties uh, of those uh, institutes that are there and also the donor list. Another thing I'm working on right now is again on human trafficking. Um, we're working on some, some major issues there on both labor trafficking as well as sex trafficking. And unfortunately we're still continuing to see that and with that dang open border, um, there are more and more people flooding in here. Uh, so those are some things that, that we're working on. Uh, we're also working on some water quality issues here in the state of Florida that uh, this is this is a nonpartisan issue and it really shouldn't be. But um, we're, we're trying to do everything that we can to make sure that we have great, decent water quality here for, for years to come. For and sure. then uh, finally, working on transportation issues down here. But you know, Rory, I got to tell you, if there's one thing that can really help this country is shutting off that southern border, shutting off the, the influx of, of individuals that are there. I was driving by one of my areas that, that I cover and I saw this white bus pull up. And I was like, well, that's weird. And fairly new white bus. And all these people got off with a little plastic bag with some soap, with some other things like that. And literally, they were dumped there by the Biden administration. And so I talked to some other folks in the area there. They had they had seen this bus pull up before and additional and people would get off. Allegedly, they have family members in the area there. But again, you know, Florida is getting getting inundated with this. And uh, the, our governor is certainly very happy to round them up, put them on a plane and send them all to Delaware and dump them off right in, in that, at Biden's town instead. So that's that's an opportunity that, um, you know, I hope the governor can follow through on and hopefully we'll, we'll get that done. One of the other reasons that I certainly support 
Governor Ron DeSantis. Yeah, and I wish more governors were like him. He's the most freedom-loving governor there is. I mean, you know, there 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 isn't anybody better. I mean, it's and it you know it's pretty sad how every governor you know it seems like in terms of like you know when they play politics, Republican, Democrat, it's all an agenda, you know. Sure. But in terms of DeSantis, he's for the people, you know, and he's one of the very few that actually does the right thing. You know, most of these governors. They just don't, they're not, they don't have, first of all, they don't have his talents. They don't have his knowledge. They don't have, you know, his, he also is a very smart businessman as well. He's actually has expertise in various different fields. Um, but no, but I'm just saying that, you know, just the way he does things, that, that's the way every governor should do things. And, you know, there's a lot of Republican governors that are are doing it, not, not doing a very good job. And well, let and me tell you, the, the governor certainly has an agenda. Um, yeah. His agenda is freedom, it's liberty, it's a, uh, it's individual rights, and and that is a, somebody that I will support a hundred percent as we go forward. Yeah, and he is he is just going to uh, continue to lead Florida, and hopefully I will be there to be able to do that with him um, until my term limits are up and uh, and I go on back home and do my thing, as uh, many of us wish that Washington politicians would do as well, exactly. have and be able to go on home. There's no reason anybody should be serving forty years in office. It's true. And term limits. Talk about that. How do we solve that, man? Because people go into politics to get rich and it's just it's it's a nightmare. It really is a never ending cycle. Well, we need to remind um, our politicians that are heading up to Washington that many of them ran with the agreement that they were going to observe term limits. And we're seeing yes. that in our Republican Party. Now, some people like uh, a good friend of mine, Congressman Tom Rooney, went up and he said he wasn't going to stay for a long time and he didn't he was he served he wanted to serve four but he ended up serving five terms and so he came home after 10 years um and then that that seat has now gone to congressman brian mast um yeah. who now sits in, in that uh, in that seat uh so we we've seen some some changes up there and i just hope that there are more politicians that do that now the convention of states is something that i'd certainly love to see um be able to go through we can ratify that and in fact we would then be able to have a constitutional amendment that talks to term limits and would would in fact have that in place so that the constitution says that our congressional members and our senate members can only serve a certain amount of terms yeah no i agree i agree uh toby i always love having you with us tell everybody where they can connect with you where they can get involved where they can donate where they can you know help out in any way shape or form oh rory thank you so much well we're in session right now, and unlike our friends in, in Washington, we cannot accept donations at the moment. Okay. Um, and that goes through through March 11th. But all that being said, you can reach me on Twitter at Toby Oberdorf. Um, so T O B Y over the door with an F. Um, so at Toby Oberdorf, and uh, otherwise you can get me uh, through my campaign page at uh, TobyForHouse.com. Uh, so TobyForHouse.com or at Toby Oberdorf. Love having, love being on, Rory. So great to see you again. My bad. We got disconnected for a second. You still there? So, so, so thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. that. At Toby Overdorf, tobyforhouse.com. Um, great to see you again, and I love being on. Thank you so and much. And, Toby, quick, quick question before you go. How do we get rid of insider trading with these politicians, like Nancy Pelosi's and all these people that have all this inside information? Because I'll tell you what. Nancy Pelosi's right 100 percent of the time. That's she's got one hell of a track record with winning in stocks. It, it really, I, yeah, it's crazy. Go ahead. Yeah. 
it, it we have a lot of um, House rules here in the state of Florida that yeah. we as state um, state congressmen have to uh, abide by. So the same thing should apply to them up there is that those House rules need to get tougher and they need to be more in compliance with what everyday citizens have. Uh, right. Just because you're a member of Congress should not allow you to have the same, uh, the same different things than every other citizen in the United States. I agree. I agree. Well said. Very well said. I uh, love having you with us, man. We'll talk to you soon. We'll get you back here uh, within the next month or so. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. All right, man. All right, Take care. You. Cheers. Uh, I want to welcome to the show. I believe we have with us, we have Eric Aglier from Florida, U.S. Uh, congressional candidate. How are you, buddy? What's going on, man? My buddy. Are you there? Oh, he was just there. We'll get him back. We'll get him back. There he is. How you doing, man? Uh, very good, Rory. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. What's going on? Give us an update. What are you working on? What's new? What's on your mind? You probably got a lot of a lot of thoughts throughout the show. Uh, we've been addressing a wide variety of different topics. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me again. Uh, Eric Aguilar running for Florida's uh, fourth congressional district here in uh, Northeast Florida that is in the uh, St. Augustine, Jacksonville, and uh, Fernandina Beach uh, area. Uh, no, very great topics. A lot of things that are going on, and we can see that how bad policy, which, you know, you warned them, we warned them, we warned them all we over did. the place that these things are just going to happen. Um, yeah. We didn't want people to do seen as believing because that's not really good. We don't want those high gas prices. Um, yep. We don't want to go ahead and rights keep being stripped um, off of people. So I really do commend people for, for fighting out there and uh, taking their stand because you already know you give a little bit of inch to government, they're going to start taking everything because yeah, that, you give that's an inch, the way they take they, a mile. Yeah, look at that. The, the CCP is a perfect example. It's a perfect example of what bad government does and what do they actually do to um, basically make people suffer and for them to go ahead and um, um, become elites and uh, leave everybody down. You know, and we it's can't true. Have that in the US. It, yeah, and, and you know, um, with you know, with with everything going on, man, it's like um, we look we look at everything that's collapsing right now. I mean, with the Democratic Party, I mean, you know, they they are running out of of things to, you know, give their constituents. I mean, Build Back Better not happening. Um, all these bills that, that that they think they're gonna get passed not happening. Pretty much everything Joe Biden said to his supporters not gonna happen. I mean, what what really? Are they running on what what can they do to save themselves? Because there is not one bit of policy that Joe Biden can go back to his constituents right now and say, here, I did this for you. All his constituents and voters can say to me when I ask them, what has he done for you? Well, he's not Trump. He's not Trump. At least we don't have Trump in there anymore. And I'm like, oh, my God, Lord, help us. If that's the mindset and that's all people can say. This country's in a lot of trouble. The people that just are so stubborn and stuck in their ways. It's like, wake up. Yeah. And you kind of know where we're now, the country, and uh, we're all trying to head to as people. Um, yeah. You know, in the, with business in the 2020s, we're heading to bigger innovations. You're going to start yep. seeing more space, uh, commercialized space um, out there, people moving yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, not backwards, but with these bad policies, we will never move forward. These are just basically um, keeping us down. 
And we already know that Biden, you know, 47 years in, in government, you know, first of all, if you haven't done anything like two or three years in, in a government seat, that means you're not going to do anything, period. It's like that with any job, if you look at it. If a person's there working one or two years and they haven't done anything not innovative, they're not going to do it in the future, more than likely, at least something. But, you know, Biden has he he's always was like that. And I don't know why people would even think that, you know, that he would even do anything. You know, actions speak louder than words at the end of the day. This is what we supported President Trump. Yeah, you know, he's not a polished politician. But then again, people don't want that. People sure. want somebody that's going to do something, not somebody right. to say that's going to face something. Big, True. big dude. Really good to see a lot of candidates, even myself. You know, I didn't run, I didn't plan for politics. I, right. I'm a retired Navy. I have six kids. I have a whole life. And, yeah. You know, something that I plan myself to go, you know, I stock just like you. I teach business. I teach history. I teach IT. I have other things uh, on there, but this is just something that to me, it's just God calling that, you know, I just can't sit on the ground. I can't let my country burn after protecting it for 20 years. I just can't do that. And, you know, I am running against an incumbent Republican, but it's a, yeah. an incumbent Republican that really hasn't done anything. He's just like Biden. in there for five, right. six and years. Not there, even and one that's... America first policy. Not even one. This is why I get with, with candidates that, and, and even people that are in office. I support Trump, I support Trump, but not even one America first policy have they put on the floor. That's disappointing and they need to leave. It's true. And you know what? It's ridiculous what's going on because both sides, people in our party, I would say 90% of Republicans in D.C. right now are worthless. I would say 90% of them because there a lot of them are rhinos and a lot of them are in bed with each other. I mean, we've got a few people working for us. We got Rand Paul. We've got I don't even like Ted Cruz anymore after he called us terrorists the other day through the because of the january 6th thing and he had to correct himself but dude after you after he makes statements like that i mean there's very few i mean i trust Rand paul um who else do i trust i mean there's only a select i like tom cotton green yeah i like i like tom cotton i like what's the guy with the accent from louisiana the um senator senator kennedy Kennedy. he's good Yeah. yeah there's some good ones but a lot of them are just it's like there's there's no action. Mitch McConnell's useless. Kevin McCarthy, you know, I, I, I like McCarthy in certain ways. I wish he would do other things to improve certain things. But there are so many things that are lacking. I mean, where's Marco Rubio? Where's Rubio been? I haven't heard him yeah, and he's running for doing, office. saying anything about anything. I mean, he was supposed to be a guy that was supposed to build a political future, maybe be president one day. But he's done nothing for America first. And and where you know Ted Cruz, he's not. Ted Cruz is a is a theater guy. He goes in there, talks a big game, gives us a show, doesn't do anything about it though. Uh, you know, I just I don't know who I can trust. The only person I really like, like a hundred percent of the time, I think in terms of a politician, there is Rand Paul. I mean, I, I don't know who else has been more consistent in terms of a genuine and authenticity. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking right now, who in the Senate right now is the so loyal to Trump. I mean, other than people like Rand Paul, I mean, there's people that have, you know, befriended Trump when it was convenient for them, but who's actually been there for America first all along, even when it wasn't convenient. That's what I want to know because it's, I don't know, man, it's tough right now. It's disappointing. It's disappointing because, you know, like you mentioned earlier, we elect um, these officials, uh, we put the trust behind them, and now what do they do? We get betrayed. 
And that's yeah. one of the things that, you know, part of the, of the party, we have to reshape it because I do see that there's a huge battle within the Republican Party to remove these rhinos that they're always right. playing games, you know, backdoor games with Democrats. In the meantime, they're doing things. Uh, I know that uh, um, um, we, we had, uh, you know, a state representative, Overdorf, and one of the things is that Florida, that's what we're looking at. We're looking to see that how is even the state legislature is going to come out. You know, Ron DeSantis, pay really close attention to Governor Ron DeSantis because the legislature and him are not fully aligned. And I don't think a lot of people are very, very aware of that because the state legislature is going to put a couple of bills like we want to do constitutional carry. You know, that's one of the things that those bills that they really don't want to push forward. And there's a couple of even some red flag laws that we have to be very, very careful about what's going to go going to go in there. And I will have to say that I'm very proud that Governor Ron DeSantis has been a sounding board. He's been saying right, right now he put out a new redistricting map. The legislature has a redistricting map, but he put one out like this is what it should look like. Yeah. And I like his plan a lot better because now yeah. it actually shows how we can actually provide more services in a better government to people because the Democratic side, it's not providing better government. It actually makes it worse and worse and worse. I'm right. happy people are coming here to Florida and, and they're going to move and they make a life. But I hope they don't bring their yeah, you know, don't blue bring... state politics at the end of the day to, to mess it up. I hope right. they realize why did they come here and why did they get away? They got away from lockdowns. They got away from too much taxes. Yeah. They got away from all these insane mandates. You know, they can't even enjoy dinner somewhere without wearing a mask or even saying clothes because, you know, something else. Here in Florida, we're open. We let people be independent. We let them be responsible. We treat people like adults at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's a really insane, you know, even with Djokovic, you mentioned it in Australia. It's really crazy because who won the yeah. Australia Open last year? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. guy that they just deported and kicked out? Come on. And, and that was when COVID was even supposedly worse? Come on. You know, yeah. it's a lot of sanity. But Florida, we're always open. Yeah. But uh, please leave your blue state politics <laughs> in that state. Come over it's here and true. embrace our red state that, you know, there's a reason why you come here. Yeah. Hey, stay stay with us. No, I absolutely agree. Stay with us. We'll be back in 60 seconds, everybody. I st we still got a half hour left in the show. I'm still going to get to um, everybody on the panel. But, Eric, I'm going to be right back with you. Stay with us. Okay.
And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, coming to you live from Palm Springs, California. We are back here with U.S. congressional candidate Eric Aguilar from Florida. How are you, buddy? Good. Very good. Thank you very much again, Rory, for, for having me. And, you know, and I do appreciate the great conversations you have. I think your voice is very, very important as we um, keep moving forward because the truth has to be told at the end of the day. For sure. No, I agree. I agree. And, you know, we, we have a lot to, I want to ask, um, you know, go over a few certain things. I want to get you back on, Joe. Um, you know, I, I'm reading about a bunch of, obviously it's Martin Luther King Day, and I was talking with a lot of different people about this, but if Martin Luther King was a, alive today, he would be a conservative. He would not be okay with the current state of the Democratic Party. He would not be okay with all this discrimination, all this race baiting, all of this putting blacks in boxes, telling them that they're oppressed, telling them that they can't be anything, telling them that, you know, I mean, what the left is doing, you know, critical race theory, voter ID laws are racist. I mean, this would not be okay with Martin Luther King today. And uh, Joe Biden went on TV, insulted Martin Luther King, said George Floyd's death was more significant and more impactful on society. I mean, what a thing to say. And yet you still have some of Martin Luther King's family members standing by Joe Biden. Are you, has society gone? Imagine if Donald Trump would have made a comment about, you know, something about Martin Luther King. I mean, obviously, George Floyd is a hero celebrated by the left, created by the left. You know, that has nothing to do with Trump. But imagine if something controversial was said on the day of Martin Luther King by Donald Trump. The media would take it out of context. They would go nuts. But Joe Biden gets a pass, and they're trying to cover it up. But go look I, at it, I everybody. Think, uh, Jory, I yeah. think that Martin Luther King, if he were alive today, he probably would say, let's go, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> and he probably, <laughs> he'd probably tell George. He'd probably, I mean, he'd probably feel bad for George George's Floyd scenario. But he would also not make a martyr out of George Floyd. He would not. He would not put a statue up. He would not you know, go down that route of, you know, agreeing with the Democratic Party, you know, on that scenario. But, but Joe, I want to get your thoughts because law enforcement has dealt with enough. And, you know, it's, it's really that whole George Floyd thing really put a generalization on so many cops and all these new freaking protocols they have to do, all these new tests. They already had a bunch of different strict tests that they had to do and courses they had to take. So law enforcement's job just got even way harder after George Floyd. I mean, I, I, I saw some of the things that they put in place with regulations, and it's crazy. So, I mean, I would not want to be a cop right now. You're, you're in a good position being a lawyer, man. You do not want to be out there. I mean, it is. They're quitting in doves. And what happens when the Democrats, voters, a lot of them that still want to defund the police, finally get their wish? And it, 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 it's starting to come true in certain cities. Some cities won't respond to calls. They're like, ah, uh, it's going to be about an hour or so. We got too many other things. We're not going to, we're not going to make it. I mean, people, people are, people are really struggling, but go ahead. You're so right. And I, I don't understand why the black community would embrace someone like George Floyd yeah. as some kind of hero or right. role model. Yeah. Uh, there is nothing redeeming about him no. whatsoever. But putting uh, a gun to a pregnant lady's chest while his homeboys pull the train on her. I'm, excuse my language if kids are watching, but that's a true story. I mean, that's awful. I mean, that's, ah, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, yeah. 
you know, tragic as it was what happened, <clears throat> make him a hero and a martyr and, and uh, champion him uh, instead of doing the responsible thing and condemning what he did, fighting the police never works out in anyone's favor. Right. You're always going to lose when you fight the police. And yeah. even the police will lose. Nobody wants it. Right. We don't want it. I'm a retired New York City police officer. I, I joined uh, the department in 1987 when crime was rampant. Yes. We don't want these confrontations. We oh. always want and, as, and aspire to achieve voluntary compliance. We want you to comply. But there is no one in the black community time and time again when these tragic events happen they involve people fighting the police, resisting arrests, and some tragedy will befall them. We had Eric Garner, Eric Garner in Staten Island, who refused to submit to arrest. And then he was taken down, and he's a 350-pound, very large man, took him down to the ground, and unfortunately, because of his poor state of health, he had a heart attack and died. Yeah, and then, and, and look at Joe, Joe. You're bringing up a good point. Look at look at these these very rare examples that have set such a generalization and such a de defining like they've 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 basically set the rules. These small examples of of people like like the guy you just mentioned who was in the wrong and unfortunately he had some health issues and you know. These situations have caused so much chaos that police have to go through extra extra craziness now and, and turmoil and all these extra headaches because somebody, unfortunately, wasn't following the law and went through a health crisis. I mean, it, it, it you know had nothing to do with the officer, but keep going. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly right. I, I try to tell people I am now, after retiring from the police department, I'm a criminal defense attorney. And a lot of people question that. How do you go from locking them up to putting them away? I, I mean, to, to getting them out. You've seen it firsthand. I, you know what they're going through. But I'm helping the same people I tried to help as a cop. I try right. to change people's lives, especially when you arrest younger kids and they're getting into trouble. You try to steer them the right way. I do the very same thing now right. as a defense attorney. Yeah. I try to steer them on a, on a better path and you know, right the wrongs of their life and, and move forward. And I help them. So, but I, I really find it shocking that people are not coming out to, to tell people in the community, do not fight the police. It never seems to work out. And we have tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, but yet these agitators, they, you know, Al Sharpton's of the world, they constantly, you got to fight back and fight the police. It never works out. It's, it only leads to more charges and, God forbid, a hospital visit or worse. Right. So I, I just think it's so irresponsible when people celebrate someone like this as if that's the way you should act. Fight the police and fight back. And, and we'll have, have a wonderful funeral for you, too. I mean, well, it's insanity. No, I agree. I agree. And, and, and I don't know how we, I don't know how we, you know, come to, I, I don't know how the divide stops. I don't know how law enforcement can go back to feeling safe and secure again and doing their jobs properly without backlash or without the media attacking them or, 
you know, I mean, it just, I don't know what the end game is. I don't, I can only see it get worse before it gets better. Well, you're so correct about that because 2021, I believe there was some 500 and something officers who were killed in the line of duty. It's the most ever in the history police officers killed. Now, a lot of them were also impacted by COVID uh, and, and it, it had its impact on the law enforcement community. But we also have this random violence against police officers. You know, you may remember we had two police officers assassinated. They were sitting in a car and a guy walked up and shot and killed them both, for, just randomly came up and picked these officers. It's terrible what's happening. Look at Texas. There were five, I think five officers who were just, you know, killed and murdered in, in Texas, just random act of violence. So I, I, I think this is, this is horrible what's happening and, and the distrust. I look at people and I just try to have a conversation with them. What is it that you're so worked up about? Being a police officer, in my opinion, is one of the most honorable things you can do. You're going and right. stepping up in your community and saying, look, I'm going to be out there to protect you. And, and many police officers go to that job with the feeling that they will lay down their lives and, and put themselves in harm's, harm's way to protect you. This is our community. We want to make it a better community. We want to help our community. We want, like I said, I helped people while I was on the job. Sometimes you have to arrest them, but even after arresting them, you make contact with them and you try to steer them the right way. This is, it should be so honorable for someone to and be embraced by the community i don't know how we ever got to be the most hated people on the planet and this defund the police it, it's really backfiring though which i'm glad to see and it's starting to change especially here in new york city we had a real red wave in this last election cycle nassau county suffolk county northeast queens a dear friend of mine who ran for city council uh, as a Republican, and what, there's only five Republicans in the entire city council now because of her, uh, but she ran, and there was something really fantastic that happened here. The Democratic Party in Queens County controls everything. You know, they're seven to one majority in Queens County. So when it comes to electing judges, they nominate someone, they end up, uh, you know, it's it's perfunctory because of the, the overwhelming uh, Democrat seven to one majority. Well, in this case, in Northeast Queens, a Republican won a judgeship in the same district that my friend Vicky Palladino won. So they're, they're starting to be, you know, a rise of people who I think were previously uninvolved and disengaged, not happy with all politics. But when you have new people coming in, fresh blood, outsiders, who are now offering a different opinion. And it was quite funny, uh, sad, but funny to watch. I was standing at one poll site and the Democratic challenger, who I like the guy, he's a nice guy, Tony Avella. He was there and he was trying to greet people. And no matter how nice he was or, or how you know persuasive and even remembered some people's names, they walked up to him and they said, I will never vote for another Democrat. You guys are killing this. And you got to love to hear that. You, I, you, I you really got to love like that's such a relief. And you know what? 
like think about and think about what we're talking about, you know, and I think Trump has a lot to do with this. I mean, he got 30 percent of the black vote in that. I think that made an impact on a lot of these other Republican candidates that are running that are like, you know, well, this guy has some sort of the same sort of beliefs that, you know, Trump, you know, put forth. And maybe, you know, we've been losing from Democrats all these years and they've been giving us nothing. Why not give it a chance? Like Trump would say, why the hell not? What do you have to lose? You know, nothing to lose. It hasn't been working for how many years? Let's try something new. And look at, and you know what's a perfect example, Joe? Look at every city run by a liberal. Seattle, New York City, San Francisco, L.A., Minneapolis, Chicago, Detroit. What what do they all have in common? I I could go on and on. There's way more of them, but I'm just listing some off the top of my head. But what do they all have in common? Run by liberals. Do do you see any cities run by conservatives that are filled with homeless, you know, crises and the, the economics are backwards. I, I don't see that in conservative areas, no. that are, you know, conservative cities that, you know, have, have, have the, you know, it just doesn't. I, I, but I think it's starting to happen. And I'm so glad I'm encouraged by it because I live in Queens myself right. and uh, I ran for Queens district attorney. So I'm just so I'm happy to see people starting to wake up. There yes. are so many people that are just, you know, they live and die by the party line and that's really not healthy. It's not good at all because people don't even know who the candidates are. They go in there and just blindly go down column B all the way down. Uh, and, and that's not good either for either party. We want people to engage. We want people to know what they're, who they're voting for, what the policies that are, are affecting them. And I think never before than this election cycle and the ones to come, are those things very relevant? I mean, is, is there a clear demarcation between, you know, like the, the uh, vaccine mandates? I just wanted to bring one other point. We were talking about it, and I don't want to beat it to death, but there's two very important issues here. My friend Vicky Palladino, who ran and won as a Republican in Northeast Queens, Whitestone, uh, she is unvaccinated. So on her first day in New York City to uh, enter the chambers, yeah, uh, they let her in, but there was the squad. This is so funny. Oh wow! Tiffany Caban is one of AOC's crazies who ran for district attorney in Queens on the Democrat line, and she's funded by the whole you know radical left. She won her election for city council, and there's about four or five of them that are calling themselves the squad now right. of the New York City City Council. Yeah. And they objected to Vicky being in the chambers because she's unvaccinated. Insanity. Now, Vicky is just a real fighter. But it also happened to be Adrian Adams, who's a Queens representative, who is going to be elected as the first black woman to be city council uh, speaker. Yeah. And so Vicky said, look, for Adrian, and, and she spoke to Adrian ahead of time. She voted for Adrian. She says, for me, I don't want to ruin your day, so I'm going to stand down for this day. She says, but tomorrow's another story. I will not stand down to these people, but I just want you to know yeah. your fellow Democrats over here could right. care less about your historic day, and right. we're going to disrupt the whole day with their antics. Right. So I was just so proud of her, but for that's sure. going to come to a head. We may have to file a lawsuit because... She's duly elected. Her rep- her constituents are entitled to representation 
in the city council and this stupid mandate should not preclude her from from participating right. one other thing there is a judge the highest court in new york state the new york state court of appeals ironically our supreme court is the lowest court but the court of appeals the highest court yeah there's a judge on there jenny rivera she was a law professor in my my law school elevated to the the court of appeals she's not vaccinated she hasn't stated a reason but she's right. not vaccinated right. and isn't going to get vaccinated here again she is a you know duly appointed member of that body yeah. and has a right to participate she's very liberal she's the democrat way left however she's taken the position i don't choose to get vaccinated and, and you shouldn't be able to force it on me right so I, I do have hope that we we may be able to fight this thing it's not over so many people have washed their hands of it given in either moved or you know so came to the vaccine but it's very interesting to see these two positions we have the judiciary the highest court in the state and we have the legislative body of new york city two people who are fighting back and i'm waiting to see how that turns out right that's no, true man it's true and you know i i wanna i wanna kind of shift topics real quick um you know, I, I never really got your your thoughts on um, on January sixth. You know, the, you know, we I haven't done a show in a while, and you know, a few weeks ago, you know, that the media they totally put this narrative out there that you know tried to compare it to Pearl Harbor, tried to compare it to uh, 9-11, which is which is the biggest insult on earth. They all these. Democrat politicians going up there giving their little 90, 90 second little tribute speeches, whatever they came up with, their speech writers. It's the biggest phoniest thing I've ever seen. But as a police officer, as somebody who's a lawyer, as somebody who has an expertise in, you know, in this sort of field, you know, in terms of observing the situation, that was clearly not an insurrection. Nobody died, no, nobody died except a Trump supporter who who didn't attack any who didn't attack anyone didn't have a gun didn't have a weapon was literally going in like everyone else and she was shot she was shot and there was there was no warning to that specific person there were there were other people that got warnings and they they backed off but mostly if you look at what happened there it was people taking selfies there was nobody there was nobody going crazy or you know blowing up the place or or attacking anyone or you know i mean even there's videos of that of the officials going into the chambers basically telling these guys you know can you guys just kind of you know be respectful and please just vacate the premise and they're like yeah man sure we just want to take a couple pitch like th it, there was nothing crazy about what went on in terms of the, how the trump supporters you know in terms of violence th there was no there was no there was no crazy violence. Was there a little rambunctious, hyper, you know, a little behavior that was eccentric? Absolutely. But the 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 fact that you can't get to the Capitol um, in a nor in a normal setting, there's guards everywhere. Those steps they don't just let you right in. I mean, these people, these 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 people were just flagging them in. These these officials just come on in, come on in, you know, and that never happens. And, and there are right. so many unanswered right. questions. And Nancy Pelosi has thousands of hours of tape that she will not release. She refuses to release it. 
She won't. And why won't she release it? Well, I can tell you why. Because it completely destroys the narrative that there was ever any insurrection that ever took place in the first place. That whole day was about trying to stand up for freedom and trying to stand up for a crooked political system that has been screwing its American people and its citizens for as long as I can ever remember. You know, just because they tell us that it's a, you know, uh, a legitimate election, we're supposed to believe them after they've lied to us so many times. I mean, look at the lead Trump had at midnight, you know, on election night. He was leading by how many votes? And then all of a sudden, all these ballots come out of nowhere in these states and that it, it made absolutely no sense. And anybody with a brain who anybody who is not biased anybody who sees it for for what it is knows that there's no way in hell joe biden got more votes than any president in history joe biden couldn't fill up a grade school auditorium right, right. donald trump fills up nfl stadiums i mean yeah. this is not rocket science voter fraud was all over the place yeah. a guy that can't count to four and form a complete sentence and is a dementia patient like Biden, I mean, come on. But going back to this whole January 6th thing, this was no, this was nothing more than to make Trump supporters look bad. It was to frame us and paint us in a bad light. And you know what's funny? They haven't charged one person with anything involving the insurrection. It was for crimes that were other, other things that they were involved with prior to the insurrection these right. people have been held in solitary confinement have been treated horribly and they really ha have had no sort of interaction um pr you know to give their side to, to of the story it was just basically you know people coming in saying you did this you're guilty you know and that's what it is and that's and that's what everybody um, who who views this as an insurrection? Who views this as an insurrection? Looks at them as villains because they don't know the whole the whole you know facts. You're so right about that as well. I mean, Rory, we're you know reading each other's minds. I mean, this is what's happening in this country. And I'll just before I hit the uh, January sixth, you've had on your show a guy named George Santos, yes. friend of mine, who is running for Congress in my district. Yeah. And my girlfriend and I, we worked very hard with him and helping him yeah. And on election night because you were talking yeah. about the voter fraud election night. He was eleven hundred votes ahead of Tom Swazi. He won the election. And again, my girlfriend and I were, were supporting George and we went down during the uh, mail in ballots, the counting. And we were you know, standing by uh, with the counting. I won't get into all the details, but it was a whole scam. Yeah. It was a scam, the whole thing. Yeah. We were not even allowed to look at the ballot. We right. were allowed to watch them unseal the envelope and look at the postmarks and whatnot. But once they took it out of the envelope, they yeah. placed it face down on the table. Yeah. I, I've never heard anything like this. It's, so, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's so, mind-blowing. I, I do believe there was some misconduct that went on, and ultimately uh, the Democrat Tom Swazi overcame his lead with these mail-in ballots, and he lost. Yeah, and look at you, January 6th. I mean, here's how – and I want you to give your thoughts on that because yeah. I, I really think that – I mean, how, how could that not have been scripted? I just don't – people aren't that stupid. People just aren't, we're not stupid. I mean, look at, where's Ray Epps, the guy that kept telling everybody to go into the Capitol 
And all, all, us, all the Trump supporters said, Fed, Fed, Fed. I mean, we could see it from a million miles away. Yeah. Was there any, was there any Trump supporter, correct me if I'm wrong, was there anyone that nobody died except a Trump supporter? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that true? Yeah, I believe that. Well, I, I think someone had a heart attack later on, but right. no, nobody was killed. But that's my, point. that's my point. That's my point. Outside of Anthony Babbitt. There, there was no, yeah, I mean, there was no weapons. I mean, bombs. There was nothing like that. There was no terror. And what about the pipe bombs that was planted outside of the event about a night, the night before? Why have they never found the suspect? who was involved with that. That is very suspicious. I have a lot of suspicion about what went on there because I was there. I was actually, I went to the last three Trump rallies in Washington, yeah. D.C. and loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And I, I thought, you know, I, I wasn't involved in any of the violence. I guess we were with the main pack. So we didn't experience like Antifa coming after us. And I did see videos yeah. of that where these people were attacked. Right. Uh, which was horrific. But right. on January 6th at the Capitol, everyone was just walking. We were singing the Star Spangled Banner. The, these were not military people. These were not, these were like families. Yeah. And, you know, we were just so happy and proud to be Americans and be there to voice our opinions. Right. Now, there were some like radical types and I heard people calling them Antifa. So I wonder if this was some concerted plan. I remember when we were watching the speeches, there was a long gap between the last speaker and then Donald Trump. Right. And I noticed a lot of people while President Trump was speaking, uh, they were leaving. They were walking off the, the grounds, and I assume they were heading to the Capitol. And I was like, wow, that's so disrespectful. Here's our guy. He's speaking to us, and these people are walking off. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm looking back now. This was part of their plan. So I think there was a group of people. I don't know if they were real Trump supporters or they were plants who right. were trying to. And they were people just like egging them on, saying, come on, come on, let's go. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the jury's out on, on what actually happened there. Uh, was it uh, an element of Antifa? Was it an organized, you know, government uh, interference where they tried to manipulate the crowd? I don't know. But uh, I, I know the majority of the people, because I spent all day with them, yeah. were wonderful people. I was introducing myself and meeting people from all over the country who were driving there. It was just so amazing driving there because they were so upset about what happened. For sure. And wanted to show their support. I mean, yeah. I'm so happy that it looks like he's going to run again because we need him. He's an, an amazing president. He did so many wonderful things. And he he really motivated and engaged so much of our uh, fellow citizens who, who have now engaged uh, political cycles and, and yeah. are, are now waking up to how important this really is and sure. how, how much of our rights we're really losing by sitting back and not being involved. Yeah. So I, I, I'm so happy that he's going to run again. I love, I love it. I love it. Uh, we got a few minutes left. Stay, stay with us. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you, Joe, how they can get involved. Oh, well, after President Trump was uh, suspended and kicked off of all the, I immediately deleted all my, my Twitter, LinkedIn, yeah. Facebook, all of that. The only thing I do have is my website, obviously for my law firm, and it's jmurray-law.com. 
And then my girlfriend and I, we started a YouTube channel because we talk about, you know, we're both retired police officers and now we work in my firm on the criminal defense side. So it's a true crime channel where we engage, you know, these big cases that are going on around the country and we offer our commentary and I get to throw in my politics about pushing back against the government and the overreach of the government in some of these cases. So the, the show itself on YouTube is called Allegedly Guilty. And you could check us out. We just started it on my birthday, November 13th. So we're just getting going. But that's that's where you get me at. I love it, man. Dude, I love it, man. And let's let's definitely make you a regular. We'll get you on here uh often. I wanna Ricky, what's up, man? I wanna bring you on, give you some give you some thoughts on uh obviously you've been listening to the show. What are your thoughts, man? Oh, yeah. You got some overall thoughts on everything going on. Well, I was sitting here thinking about that January 6th thing. And uh I think the president said it great uh, when he said that uh, the first issue would happen, began to happen on election day in uh, 2020. That's when the first insurrection started. Yeah. You know, and I think everything led up to that. That was like the the January 6th was like the nail in the, it was like the nail in the coffin. So I did a, uh, I did a show on YouTube and it's still on there. Well, Well, that's good. There goes there goes my whole stuff just hit the ground here, but that's okay. Yeah, but uh, so anyway, I did a uh, show April the fourth of uh, twenty twenty. Yeah. When they were talking about uh, the different things and the different elections and what what's going on here, so I uh, and I told everybody then I said they're setting up the win. I mean they're setting this win up. Uh, they started talking back in in, in two thousand nineteen. We're really pushing. The whole concept and then COVID was a very convenient tool. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know, the things that they jumped after Trump with, and then they give Biden a great big old smooch on the forehead and, and pat him just like he's their priest. You know, right. send him out there. Uh, and, and you're sitting there thinking, wait a minute. We're talking about a double standard here. I mean, it's, it's true. The it's big, it's the biggest double standard, man. It really is. And it's obvious. And see, I and it's like the fact it. that they can keep playing it off so well right. that that this man is okay. Yeah. Like it, it, it makes me sick. Yeah. And I think that CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, all oh. of them should have to file as a pack. Yeah. Because they are political action committees and they own airways when they do it. Oh yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah, they just like I call CNN, I call CNN the Clinton News Network. I mean, it's it's you it know is, the Communist the News Network, network you know. Yeah, exactly. It could be the Clown News Network too. Yeah, exactly. So you know, and and now they're thinking, oh, Hillary's going to make a comeback. She's coming would, back. How, yeah. how funny would that be? Seeing her lose exactly. three times. She lost to Obama. She lost to Trump, and then she'll lose a third time. I mean, I. Yeah, let me tell but you. to be honest with you, do you think uh-huh. she could be the nominee for the Democrats? I mean, she's more she's more coherent. She's more there than oh, Biden is. Abs- she could be the nominee right now, hands down, because what they. Got I mean, I right could now. definitely see because think about what the Democratic Party is. It's the party of victim mentality. It's the party yeah. of you know well, saying, "Okay, vote for me because I'm a woman." Let's make history for right, the first black right. president. You know, this is what they right. do. They play identity politics. And then they they love they love nothing more than these kind of stories, and they love nothing more than having you know the person that lost to Trump come back and beat oh. Trump. They would love that yeah. just just because and, it would give them something to just oh, yeah. 
that, that would make them hard. Like that, that would make them just like yeah. feel so aroused. Like that, that gets them, that's like drugs for them. Like they really get, they get a kick out of it. Absolutely. And yeah. here's the thing you gotta remember. The Democrats would vote, would vote for Adolf Hitler if he was a Democrat. It's true. If he dude. stood up and said, I'm a Democrat. He would get all their support. It's now, true. I said, I said something similar to that on Twitter and, of course, they, they hit me hard on it, and I put it on Facebook, and they didn't really say a whole lot. Then he went back to all my stuff for Twitter and all that stuff, yeah. and Trump ran for office. Yeah. And then I ran for office. They went back two, two three years and started slamming me for that, which is okay, because I don't ever say anything I don't mean, um, but that, that's okay. Um, you know, but I say that just because it doesn't matter who the Democrats put up. They don't care. As long as it's a win, as long as it's a D. Yeah, and look you know, at look at what they did to Bernie. Like like they had yeah. somebody who was clearly the most popular on their end, mm-hmm. and you know they they skewed they skewed it. Just like I mean, not only did they screw Bernie once, but they screwed him twice. You know, I'm not a I'm not a Bernie fan. I don't I don't no. I don't like anything he does. But at least he yeah. had the fan base, and uh, right. you know, and, and he's stupid, and he's stupid yeah. to go yeah. back in there, right. And he they're they're obviously him. giving they're giving him something though. There's some sort of kickback. Bernie Lord. got money. He's a sellout. He definitely yeah, got something out of it. He does that. He does that, and he's going to continue to do that because that's the standard. Yeah. Um, you know, but but when you look back, you know this this whole thing is set up. You know, they wanted Biden to fail because they thought right. they could come out straight in there. Yeah, the problem she's is, even she's more unpopular though. Bad. It's not going to work. She's even more unpopular. They didn't realize. They didn't realize that was going to happen. This was. A they thought the they thought the women of color. They thought the identity politics was going to work to their advantage, yeah. but it backfired. Really did. Well, and and it's like it's everything that they come to the tool. They they go. They're going right now to their tool chest and they're pulling every tool they can think. Of. <laughs> yeah, and they're in the think tank. They're they're in the think tank right now. Right, they're they're pulling out drills and screwdrivers, and and they're not screwing and they're unless they're doing each other, but the drawer drills. They're, they're beating each other over the head with them. They don't know how to use those tools, and that's their problem. So yeah. when it comes time to the election, they think and they give away to the fact, oh, Democrats are going to go to Democrat. But the problem is, is just like some of the uh, previous guests said, I've got some friends that have been Democrats for lifelong Democrats. Mm-hmm. And I've had some of them say, well, I will never vote for Donald Trump, right. but I'm not going to vote for another Democrat. Right. Well, that's a win. <laughs> that's a win. It is, it takes because if they're yeah, not going to yeah. vote. You know, yeah. I don't. I, it's what you know. It, it's it's kind of like this this big old game that the Democrats play, is that you know they raise all this money, they get out there, they get George Soros behind them. In Durham, North Carolina, we have a sheriff who came in, yeah, and his claim to fame yeah. was pretty much nothing. And he 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 was smart enough to go out and work the back channels and get all the um, minority endorsements well in advance. Yeah, while the incumbent sheriff was very comfortable in, in within his own skin, and right. I'm not saying his own skin, but his own you know apparatus, he was comfortable in the office. And what he didn't realize, all these people who kept saying we're going to support you, had already sold him out, and they yeah. had done it little by little by little. Right. And that's what George Soros does. That's what he does to people. And then now they got him in, and what they found, they they did slate endorsements. So. Soros sends eight hundred fifty thousand dollars to a DA's race, then DA's race goes out there and spends money and slate candidates. 
Yeah. And they, they spend it for all the candidates on one slate that goes out for everybody to see and read. And that's how they do that. Yeah, and it makes sense. Look at all these prosecutors that are letting all these criminals get away with some of the worst kind right. of crimes. Um, Rick, I want, yeah, Rick, I want you to stay with us. Um, t- tell everybody where they can find you. I do got to wrap up the show here pretty shortly. You can find me on you can find me on Twitter. Just type in uh, uh, it was it uh, Rick Badgett NC or NC Rick Badgett. You'll find me on Twitter. I'm easy to find. Um, I go and check it, but I don't use it a lot because of all the nonsense, but I do pay attention to it. Um, so, and you can get me on my website, www.sheriffpolice.com. And that's, uh, in North Carolina, it's our website. Sounds good, man. Well, I, I, I really appreciate having you on as usual. Um, I Absolutely. do, I do want to, um, give the, uh, I want to go to, uh, I believe he's with us right now. We have Chris Bray, Chris. I know you. I know you got thoughts, man. We we got a few minutes left. I wanted to kind of give you a few a few last words overall on a, different things we've been discussing. Yeah, uh, I I noticed y'all didn't bring up a, a race that's occurring down here in Texas. You know, we've had a lot of Californians that have migrated down here to Texas. Oh yeah, and and a guy that you all are probably familiar with, Mr. Beto O'Rourke. Well, he's running. Is, yeah. is running for governor. Yeah, you know, he, he lost against Ted Cruz a few years back. And and now he's going up against what will most likely be Greg Abbott, I suspect, as the Republican candidate. True. Although, although that's not determined yet. But but yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. who who do you think who do you think it would be if it wasn't Greg Abbott? Uh, well, there's two other known candidates, somewhat that are running. One of them you you pro- you're probably familiar with, Alan West, uh, long yeah. history lieutenant colonel. He, he uh, was the Texas Republican Party chairman, resigned so that he could run for governor. Right. Uh, and then you got a, a huffiness that I'm not that familiar with the individual. I've received a couple things in the mail from him. Uh, he claims to be a strong Republican. Not sure that he's well known, but, uh, you know, either one of those two possibly uh, just just depends on how the Republican Party goes. But you know, I think I really think Greg Abbott's probably going to come out on top. You know, early on, Abbott, you know, when when the COVID first hit, Abbott made some bad decisions. Yeah. And I think he wised up and recognized that. And since then, he's totally he, he stopped, you know, believing the false narratives that were coming, you know, out of the Biden administration. And and he's he's wised up and right. his, you know, because I had even gone on. Twitter uh, to his account and told him, dude, you keep making these kind of decisions and I'm not voting for you. Right. You know, and you'll, you'll be out. Yeah. But, and I know, I noticed that he's doing a good job on the border though. Lately, he's doing a good yeah, job. He is. The border. He is. They're building a wall in Texas. That's what I did read. We are. And we are. Um, yeah. And, and it seems like, you know, I'll tell you just like Florida, Texas is a very popular place to move right now. It's the place to be. It's um, I just, I don't want uh, anything bad happening to Texas in the political department because it's one of the strongest, best states that we have in the union. And uh, I'll tell you what, some of the best, uh, some of the best people and, and things come from Texas and we can never, we got to protect everybody there and everything there at all costs. And same with the principles and the, and the, the way the constitution, you know, is presented in Texas. It's such a, such a, an amazing place. Well, the Democrats would love to turn this state blue, you know, no, without know. a doubt. 
Oh, believe me, that they that would be their biggest gift on earth. They would just drool over that. They that I mean, can you imagine the day Texas goes blue is the day America is completely screwed. I mean, there is no other way to put it. If Texas goes blue, this country say goodbye. Just say goodbye. I mean, that when Arizona went blue, I mean, they have two Democrat senators now. And they, they have a rhino governor. So, I mean, I, it, it pretty much is a blue state at this point. That, nobody yeah. likes Governor Ducey. I mean, I'm not in Arizona at this point, but I, I was living in Arizona for a long time. Um, where I live in California is pretty conservative, though, Palm Springs, um, compared to other parts of California. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I feel like this next election cycle is going to, you know, it's going to be a big test. We're going to see we're going to see a lot of things uh, occur. And, uh, a lot of the results I think will make a huge impact on the years to come and how we proceed forward. Um, you know, with the next stages. Well, I'm running in a heavily democratic precinct. So I kind of think whatever the results of my, of my race are, it's going to speak volumes about Absolutely. other places in Texas. Absolutely. And we're seeing a lot of Democrat areas, that they're shrinking and shrinking. They're getting less and less popular and they're leaning more and more conservative, you know, with their views, you know, they may, you know, they may not agree with everything conservatives do, but it's a hell of a lot better for them than communism. And, you know, and people, you know, you can't pay the bills with social issues. You can't pay the bill with climate change. You can't pay the bill with all this other bullshit. You pay the bill with economics and with, with, with money. And the number one priority with, with voters is how they're going to feed their family, how they're going to make their next paycheck, how they're going to put money in their bank account, how they're going to survive another day in America. It's not what gender uh, the other person's deciding they're going to be tomorrow or what bathroom the dude next door is going to go use or, you know, all these different whatever, 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 whatever's. And I'm so sick of taking scientific advice from Pete, from a party that thinks there's more than a hundred different genders, the people that can identify with all these different nonsense. I mean, it's bullshit. It's complete. These people have lost their minds. They're off their rocker and they're too scared to say anything on the left because they don't want to offend anyone. It's so PC culture. We've lost it. We can't tell people the truth anymore. Everybody has to sugarcoat things. It's like, come on, we need to get back to reality. We need to get back to logic. We need to get back to rationale. Well, I agree with you completely. And, and, uh, Colleen is a military community. I'm a retired veteran. And you're the real heroes. And and I'll tell you, I spent some time in Afghanistan at Bagram air base, quite a bit of time. Yeah. Uh, And, and people here, uh, I've talked to some retired generals that live out by me. Uh, they weren't happy with the way that Biden exited Afghanistan. Oh, God. And that's another thing. Look at the disaster that's going on in the Middle East. We still have Americans trapped over there. I mean, it it doesn't end. We gave them, what, 80, was it 80 billion or 80 trillion in weapons? And they're, they're just, no, I think it was 80 billion in weapons. My bad. But they're celebrating with our weapons that we funded and it's in there with it. Go look it up online. It's public knowledge. And I, I can't believe that we're even having these conversations and how stupid 
our government and officials have become. They're, and Biden's sending more money to the Taliban as we speak. He's sending more money to terrorists. And he's going to let Russia have their way with Ukraine. And that's going to be another disaster. And now China and Russia China and, China and Russia are going to team up. And those are the two biggest powerhouses in the entire world. And you know what they want to do? With, you know what their end goal is? They want to come at the USA. They want to bully world us. domination. Oh, yeah, China's domination. world domination. And you, and you know what? China and Russia put together could wipe the USA off the map. I hate to say it. I hate to say that. But those two countries basically, I mean, in terms of military equipment, in terms of how evolved they are, watch out. Out. Yeah. I mean, and I, their leaders have no fear. Their leaders will go to whatever levels necessary to destroy and conquer. And they know Biden is weak. They do. That's, that's, that's why they never on. pulled any funny business on Trump, because if they would have pulled the funny business, then Trump would have said, OK, let's play ball. Let's play ball. Let's go. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's, it's like when you have weak leadership like we've had for so long, like obviously Biden Obviously, a lot of these other past presidents have been weak leadership, but there's also been past presidents who are neocons. I mean, I'm, I wasn't a big fan of Bush. I didn't like how Bush took us to some of these wars. I, the Afghan, the Iraq war, Trump, Trump even said they were a mistake. I just don't like war in general. I don't like lives lost. I don't like all this money spent. And for what reason? What do we get? What did we get from these wars? All we got is further division further divide. The Middle East is destabilized. I mean, it just, it's on and on and on and on. And then we have to go make peace deals. And then we have to talk to these people about how we're going to try to work together and resolve conflicts. I mean, it's like, it's a merry-go-round. Yeah. We played, we paid with our blood and treasure. And the military industrial complex, I think, is the biggest evil part of this world, in my opinion, just how they pay, they, they, they take advantage of these servicemen and women and they send send them over there to do their dirty work that they're too the people that are in behind the scenes are too cowardly to go over there and actually do the dirty work so instead they hire other people to go do it for them well that's money making for them that's you know they at yeah. the taxpayers expense yeah yeah they're i mean the winners. It, yeah and and the, and the soldiers are so brave and they are our, our veterans just get treated like crap I mean, the people that put their lives on the line, look at how much of a mess the VA is. Look at what veterans have to go through every day. There should be, there should be no exceptions for mistreating a veteran. They should get whatever necessary treatment possible. I mean, it, there, there should be no ifs, ands, and buts. I mean, they are first priority in my book. Agree with you completely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Chris, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. Well, uh, I, I heard earlier somebody took down their, their Twitter account. I did the same thing. When they banned Trump in protest, I took my Twitter account down too. But I can be found on the web at uh, braveforbell.com. Or you can also reach me at braveforbell at gmail.com if you want to reach out with an email. Sounds good, my friend. Well, I really appreciate having you on. It's always, always a pleasure. We'll have you back soon. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Guys, it's been an amazing show tonight. Um, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Uh, it is really an honor and a pleasure to be back. Um, episode two, 
um, of the Rory Sodder TV show. We got so much more plans for the future and uh, things I can't wait to share with you. Um, I want to send a special shout out to Martin Luther King, you know, the legend, what an impact and amazing, uh, you know, person, you know, just things he did for our society. I mean, it, it'll never be forgotten. It'll always be honored and remembered. And, um, you know, just, um, what a, what a, what a phenomenal soul. Uh, but guys enjoy the, the rest of your night. Um, I will see you all Wednesday night. Uh, until then I'm Rory Sodder. Cheers, everybody.